Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet at the John Campy Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends over at Mint Mobile. My name is John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, all sorts of good stuff. Joining me sitting right over here, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing? John, as I told you, I'm very excited. A movie's getting made, the Sham Hammers new movie. I didn't even know who's making that. It's based on an incredible book. Don't read the book. Just watch the movie because it's going to be great. And we're going to talk about that uh, M. Night movie here in just a second. Sitting right beside him, it's Thursday, so we're joined by Amy Newman today. Amy, how you doing? Great. Happy fall, everybody. Is so, the first day of fall? It is the first day of fall. Yeah. That's why I got my little pumpkins going. Also, wow. I love you encouraging people. Like, don't read a book. Yeah, don't, don't. <laughs> you heard it here Actually, first. That's not true. We'll talk. Screw about books. That says, you're gonna, says Robert you're, Meyer. You're on the show tomorrow, Amy. I am, and you're going to be hungover, probably. Because uh, what, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm going to not scary farm. I'm very. Taylor's scared. taking you, right? Taylor's taking me. All right. I'm, uh, I'm terrified. Uh, I did do Universal recently, and I got so scared at one point, I just like panicked and tried to run into a scare actor's little like hidey hole with them, and they had to tell me to get out. <laughs> so that's my goal tonight, to not be like, I'm coming with you, Scarecrow, because that's what I did last time. Amy, are you ready to get scared Shrekless tonight? I, I'm i going to Shrek no. my pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, also, joining us, sitting over here, joining you guys in the live chat today, Ray Oris here. Ray, I how you doing? Great news for Rob. Guess what I did for you last night? I, 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 for I designing know Hollywood. I finished all the designing Hollywood stuff for you oh, thank for you. today. So, little promotion for our other show. I appreciate that you did those things. And, yeah. Uh, you got the pictures I sent you. Uh, yep. And also, Taylor, don't worry. Amy will protect you. Oh, thank Amy you. will protect you. <laughs> Sitting beside Ray, running the show today, producer Jonathan Voico. Jonathan, how you doing? I'm doing okay. You'll get no protection from me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, guys, most importantly, you are here. We are so glad you decided to make this show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. First half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. If you want to get a live comment or question on the show, two things. Number one. Got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. And when we do, that'll be your cue to start firing your thoughts, theories, ideas, suggestions, questions, whatever. And we will address those in the second half of the show. Also, a little bit of uh, housekeeping here. want to remind you, if you need your daily dose of the John Campion Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're going for a jog or whatever. Good news. There's an audio-only version of the show in podcast form that we simply call the John Campy Show Podcast. Go and find it on your favorite podcasting app of choice and subscribe to it today. Also, a little bit later today at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we will, of course, be back here with Open Mic, and we hope you will join us for that. All right, guys. With that down, let's jump into some off-the-top action here, shall we? And the thing we're going to start off with is this. Of course, this weekend... The biggest box office hit of all time, Avatar, gets re-released in theaters. Turns out, though, in some other territories, it's it actually came out yesterday. And one of the reports coming out from people watching Avatar, besides, besides saying it was great to see it on the big screen again and all that kind of stuff, is that if you stay to the end, they're actually showing a bunch of scenes for Avatar 2, The Way of, the way of Water, right? By the way, terrible title. Um, for But Avatar, <laughs> The Way of Water, is uh, they're showing a bunch of scenes to it for those people who are going out to see Avatar. Rob, let me ask you this. Do you think now that that word is getting... They haven't promoted that. 
No. But the word is now getting out. Do you think this will entice some people who might have been on the fence about going to see the Avatar re-release that maybe they'll head out to see it now just because they know they're going to get a sneak peek at the new movie? I think they might. I mean, why not? If, if you're an Avatar fan or you're you're thinking about going, like I, I'm going this weekend, I'm seeing it in IMAX 3D, um, uh, I think maybe it will get people to go out. I think people are, look, we in our little movie pundit bubble tend to, you know, there's, I think Avatar is pretty divisive. You know, uh, it's Fern Gully in space. I don't think that's true. I think it's a, an astonishing achievement of imaginative, imaginative filmmaking. It would certainly get me if you if you if you're an Avatar fan, and a lot of people are. I think it will get people to come out and see because they want to see more of like they want to see more of this world. Remember when this movie came out, there are people like that were having Pandora withdrawals. They're like, yeah. hey, I oh, want to yeah. live in Pandora. They wanted to live in a fictional place that didn't exist that you couldn't get to because we don't have the technology to get in space anyway. Amy, what do you think? Does knowing they're going to show some actual scenes from the new Avatar movie going to move the needle for you at all about going out to see the re-release this weekend? I'm going to be real honest about this. I am going to go see it because I've never seen it before. Wow. Really? I was, then you're seeing it the right I, way. You're going to see it on the big screen the And that was the thing. I was not a big moviegoer when I was younger. And when it came out, I was like, man, eh, I don't really care. And when I finally had interest in it, there was that moment of like, someday they're going to re-release this in theaters. I don't want to watch it at home. From everything I've heard, if you're going to see it, go see it in on IMAX. the big screen in 3D in IMAX. So I've waited and my patience has finally paid off. But from what I've heard, that is really the way to see this movie. So I don't know how much it'll move the needle for people because my, my thought is if you either have waited or you love this movie, you were probably, if you care enough that like scenes from the sequel excite you, you were probably already excited to get to you see it on the big the screen again. You were probably the person that you were going to go see the re-release Exactly, anyway. yeah. All right, guys, question is for you. Do you think you have a better chance now of going out to see the Avatar re-release this week, knowing that they're going to show extra scenes? Maybe you were planning on going anyway. Maybe you're not planning on seeing either of them. Whatever your thoughts are, jump down into the comment section below and leave those thoughts there okay guys with that down we're not going to move on to one of our newest segments here on the show our mint mobile hotline question of the day it's great when you guys write in questions it's even better when we get to hear your voice if you've got a question for our mint mobile hotline just call the hotline at 951-268-4259 so jonathan what is our hotline question of the day today Hey, John, this is Alan. I know we have the Avatar re-release come, coming up this week as well. And I was just wondering, do you think it could possibly be number one at the box office? And if it did, for example, be Don't Worry Darling, would that be a huge disappointment? Thanks. Love to hear your thoughts. All right. Thanks a lot for calling that in, Alan. And you know what? You raised an interesting question. So the Avatar re-release is this weekend. Don't Worry Darling, which has turned into a car wreck. Of I mean, everybody's talking about this movie for all the wrong reasons. Actually, I saw, I think it was a headline on, I can't remember if it was CNN or Variety, one of the two, that basically the headline is, don't worry, darling. Unfortunately, the movie's not as interesting as the drama surrounding it. And it's like, well, I mean, but that's true, right? Mm -hmm. It could still make some money. We saw some early box office forecasting for it come out the other day saying it could make up upwards of $20 million opening weekend, maybe even more. And if it does, great. But... With Avatar coming out, and we just talked about the fact that they're adding in some Avatar 2 scenes into it as well. How big of a punch in the face would it be to 
Don't worry, darling. The studio, Olivia Wilde, if this re-release of a... How old is this movie now? It's, thir- it's 2009, right? Was it 2009? So, so we're looking at a 13-year-old movie, gets a re-release and beats it Jesus at the box Christ. office. The humiliation would be significant. That said, I don't see that happening. Um, not because I think Don't Worry Darling is going to be a huge box office darling, pardon the pun, but I act, I just don't think the re-release of Avatar, re-releases don't generally do that well, right? They make a few million bucks, they move on. Avatar has a great chance of doing very well for a re-release, but I, I don't see it, I don't know, break in $10 million? And if it did make $10 million, that's a huge win for them, but... I, and I do see Don't Worry Darling making more than that. So I don't think, now we'll find out on Monday, but for, for now, I don't think that uh, the Avatar re-release can beat Don't Worry Darling. And don't forget the Woman King is out there too mm-hmm. and getting like real positive word of mouth. So there's that as well. So no, I don't see the re-release taking number one at the box office. Amy, do you think this re-release of Avatar can take number one at the box office? I'm sorry, I'm still reeling that 2009 was 13 years ago. So give me a second to process that information. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I, I don't. I I see where you're coming from with this, John. I I see the the skepticism that it could. But I kind of feel like if anything could, it's Avatar. I don't disagree. Again, talk, it is Avatar. Talking about that uh, for me, going, I've never seen it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to pay to see it. Well, I have AMC, whatever. But, <laughs> but I'm I'm going to take that time to go see it if I'm ever going to watch it. And again, that people did this experience with such sort of this juggernaut thing to go see it in theaters. I think people are going to come out in bigger numbers than you would see for uh, any regular re-release of something. And at the end of the day, I. I'm a little worried for Don't Worry Darling. These early reviews have not been positive. And I, I almost feel like there's a bit of a, you know, you'd think all the all the mess of this press tour and everything would sort of drive interest. But that combined with sort of the ultimate punchline of it's just not that good a movie. I, I feel like people are already a little over it. You know, to your point, the other thing that's unique about this Avatar re-release is that it is literally building up to a sequel coming out just shortly. You know, sometimes older movies just get re-released in a vacuum. This is not that case. Rob, like you're hearing all of this, does Avatar have a chance? I think we all agree, if any film was going to do it, a re-release, this is probably this Avatar, but will this Avatar movie actually take number one at the box office this week? Well, without knowing, I don't know how many theaters it's being released in. Like, is it a major wide release or is it more of a specialty release where it's going to only certain theaters? It's listed on on Box Office Mojo as wide. So if it is, mm, (laughs) if it's wide, I think it certainly does have a chance because like, like you, Amy, I think there's a lot of people who just haven't seen it. Or to your point, if people are, you know, getting hyped for the the sequel, how many people are watching it regularly at home? I think there's going to be a lot of people going, I don't really remember the ins and outs of Avatar. I kind of need a refresher. you can't watch it at home right now because Disney pulled it down in anticipation of the re-release. And, you know, the thing is, I keep going back to when my mom, I took my mom, she'd never seen an IMAX movie or an IMAX 3D film. Mm -hmm. My mom is a very unimaginative, very pragmatic woman. When it was over, her eyes were as big as saucers. And she turned and looked at me and she said, with wonder in her eyes. And I didn't see my mom have a lot of wonder in her eyes, but she said, how, how, how did they do that? And she loved it. And my mom was 70 when I took her. And so um, I think a lot of people had that response yeah. to it. We're but, jaded but film fans. will it? 
Now, can it? Sure, it can. But will it be number one? I, I think it, the potential's there. Okay, no, I'm going to put your feet to the fire. Will it be number one? Just I'm going to say, gonna say again, no. See what happens. <laughs> Amy is saying yes. I gotta go. I gotta go with no. I gotta go with no only because Harry Styles fans. There's a lot of them. There are a lot of and, them. And and I. It's but but again, I I honestly don't know. I I would have to look at and see theater numbers. I. I all right. Well, guys, I'm going to go no. Okay, you're going to go no. I'm going to go no. But we'll find out if any film can do it. Like Amy was saying, it is Avatar. What do you think? With uh, you know, war, uh, the the Woman King still out there, getting great word of mouth. Don't worry, darling, coming out. Can an Avatar re-release take number one at the box office this weekend? What do you guys think? Jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to move on to our main topics. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second here and thank one of the sponsors of our show today, giving me comfort with every step that I take and every chair I sit in, our friends over at MeUndies. We want to take a second and thank a sponsor of this video, MeUndies. Luckily, we here at the John Campia Show work with MeUndies, makers of the most buttery, soft, and sustainable undies, bralettes, and socks that exist. Like many of you guys, I have spent my entire life wearing completely useless and uncomfortable underwear. And it wasn't until the good folks at MeUndies sent me my first couple of pairs that I realized I have not been living my life to the fullest. Now I wear MeUndies every single day, and it makes my whole day a hell of a lot more comfortable. Guaranteed to be the softest stuff you've ever felt in your life. Their signature micromodal fabric is sustainable, breathable, and stretchy as heck. Available in sizes extra small to 4XL, they have new colors and prints dropping weekly, so there's always something exciting to check out. Try their free-to-join membership for free shipping on every order and exclusive perks, like an item shipped to your door every month, secret sales, and early access to their newest stuff. MeUndies has a great offer for the John Campia Show audience. For any first-time person, Purchasers, you get 20% off plus free shipping and returns. So to get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash Campia. That's MeUndies.com slash Campia. And thank you to our friends at MeUndies for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move into our main topics. And how do we select our main topics? That's easy. You guys come up with our main topics. See, whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we have to have as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It is absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Amy. What is our first main topic today? Our first topic comes to us from Regenerating Rob. Hello, John and crew. I got up early to watch the uh, watch She-Hulk and noticed the trailer for M. Night Shyamalan's next film, Knock at the Cabin, was released, starring Dave Bautista and Rupert Grint. Shyamalan's movies can be very hit or miss, but this looks interesting with an interesting cast. Did you have a chance to see it, and what did you think? Yeah, M. Night is can make the best movies and the worst movies. Mm-hmm. And he has certainly made a couple of the best, and he certainly made a couple of the worst. But, you know, some t- a few years ago, he started to have a bit of a resurgence, like with The Visit. That's the one to me that I was like, oh, wait, M. Night. M. Night still got something in him with that. I really like The Visit. And then, of course, the stuff with Glass and things like that. But this new trailer comes out of nowhere for Knock at the Cabin. Dude. And 
I got to tell you, I thought this trailer looked really good. Now, this comes from the folks over at Slash Film who write the following. Loosely based on Paul Tremblay's 2018 novel, The Cabin at the End of the World, this home invasion horror film of the apocalypse has an absolutely killer cast. Excitement first sparked when Guardians of the Galaxy star and pro wrestler Dave Bautista joined the film with Shyamalan citing his turn in Blade Runner 2049 as his reasoning for casting him. Shortly after, Harry Potter mainstay Rupert Grint was cast, who recently had a phenomenal run in Shyamalan's Apple TV Plus series, Servant. The two are joined by Nikki Amuka Bird, I hope I'm saying that right, who was seen in Shyamalan's Old with Mindhunter, Hamilton, and The Matrix Resurrection star Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge from Pennyworth and Fleabag rounding out the cast. Yeah, this trailer was a surprise. I didn't know they were anywhere near getting ready to put out a trailer for this. And listen, whenever you're about to watch something from M. Night, you're like, what's it going to be? Flip the coin. <laughs> I got to say, this looks pretty good. And seeing Rupert Grint in there, I don't know. I'm not a huge Harry Potter guy, but that makes my heart happy. Yeah. I, I like, hopefully this is kind of a villainous role. I don't know enough about the book that Rob has read, but I think the trailer looks great. Rob, you had a chance to see this trailer. What are your thoughts? Dude, I didn't know this movie was getting made. Now, this movie, uh, based on the book, Cabin at the End, I read Cabin at the End of the World in one sitting that's crazy it's a one sitting book and the book is crazy the books it's incredible this isn't loosely based on the book this is based on the book like if you, when i watch this i knew exactly you know it's knock at the cabin i'm like i had never heard of this movie. what what and as soon as the the thing turned on you see the two the two married guys and their adopted daughter i'm like oh my god this is cabin at the end of the world all I'm saying is that if you're not going to read the book, go in cold. Don't read. I mean, obviously the book is incredible. I, I said at the top of the show, don't read the book. The book's incredible. But now that they've made a movie, I would have liked to have seen this movie, having read the book, cold. Because right. if he's adapted, the the fact that Dave Batista is, is playing, it, it, perfect casting. The casting, I can't even begin to tell you how perfect the casting is for this movie. I am so excited. But what did you think of the trailer? I, I, well, I loved it because it was, I mean, it, it tells you nothing. The, the, the trailer deal, uh, it, it, all I can say is this is going to, if he Fs this up, I'm done. <laughs> you're you're struggling today. I'm done. I'm done with <laughs> this shit. I'm He's so I'm, emotional. I'm so, I'm so excited about this. I can't, John, I told you when I walked in, I didn't know this movie was getting made. And I love this book. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally, I'm spitting. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. <laughs> but I, I wish, like Barbarian. This trailer only sets up the story. I was so happy. They don't tell you. There's one shot at the end. I'm like, you didn't need to put that in there, but it's fine. No one knows what it is. But this is going to be great. You know what I love about this trailer? I know more about this movie than I do about Black Adam after watching three trailers. Because this, like you were saying, it doesn't give away anything. But it told me, which is very rare for a first trailer to do, it told me what this movie was about. There's this family, two dads, or daughter. They're off in the woods in the middle of the thing. A stranger arrives with people with them. They break in the house, captivate them or capture them and say to them, your family is destined to make a terrible choice, but your family has to make this choice because if your family doesn't make this choice, the world ends and we are here to try to save the apocalypse. It's like, that's it. I don't know any of the twists or turns that are happening. I don't know what's going to happen in the movie, but I now know what this movie is. And that's what a trailer should do. And that's why I love this trailer. John, I hope they don't release another trailer. I know the movie comes out in February. 
please don't, please don't release another trailer. Yeah, to if you don't movie. want anybody to come to your movie, don't put out. They will definitely put out two more trailers. And if you're going to read the book, but read, hopefully they don't give away a lot. Read the book, yeah. But otherwise, don't don't do yourself a favor. If you're not going to read the book, go in cold. Amy, you had a chance to see this. I'm assuming without mm-hmm. the benefit of having read the book first. No, I have not. What did you think about the trailer read. for Knock at the Cabin? Uh, uh, first of all, I'm excited about how excited you are. I'm so like excited. it raised my excitement level like 10. I'm getting the full like don't worry darling <laughs> press tour experience over here. Um so thank you for that. Sorry about that. It's fine. Uh this is a great like kind of horror creepy trailer because it doesn't give you much and what it does give you kind of has all these elements that are so exciting you got the cabin in the woods classic I, honestly just seeing this family and how instantly because that's one thing for me with movies like this how quickly i just stopped giving a shit about the family so often and immediately i'm like well i love jonathan groff this family seems actually kind of intelligent and on top of it so immediately i'm going okay i think i can invest with this and yeah that twist without giving much away is so intriguing of what is this decision and and i hope they do not start telling me too much more yeah. no, in the next trailer. They shouldn't tell you anything. Yeah. No, I may <laughs> I may actively avoid more trailers for that reason, but I'm I'm hoping it's it's good Shyamalan cuz it looks like it has the potential to be really great. And and again, hearing someone say this book is so good and it looks like they might have nailed John, it makes me really enthusiastic. And Amy, I was just happy something happened I didn't know about. You know, we <laughs> we, we know that all this stuff is coming, we talk about it added you know, it's forever. And I had no idea this was being adapted. And I mean, it made me feel so good. Well, guys, mm. question is for you. What are we about to get? Are we about to get Shamhammer's uh, next Unbreakable? Or are we about to get his next Lady in the Water? Who knows? This is a coin oh. flip, but I think the trailer looks pretty good. Question is for you. What did you think about the trailer for Knock at the Cabin? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Amy. What is our second main topic today? Our second main topic comes to us from Aaron Austin. Aaron says, it looks like the whole band is back together. When they said they were doing a new Beverly Hills Cop movie, I expected a few cameos of familiar faces, but it looks like they're bringing the whole cast back. Besides Eddie Murphy, they also got Judge Reinhold, John Ashton, Paul Reiser, and Bronson Pinchot to come back too. I'll be honest, I didn't even know a couple of them were still alive. What did you think of this announcement and that cast coming back? Thanks. Here's the funny thing, Aaron. I didn't know all of them were live either. I, I did. I honestly didn't know they were all live either. I, I listen. I was hundred percent just like you when they were announcing this Beverly Hills Cop. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to pretend that I'm super excited for it. I'm not super excited for it. But I'm intrigued. I was expecting a few, like you said, cameos. But them bringing the whole crew back. You know, we were just talking not long ago about Judge Reinhold. There was a period where, like in the '80s and early '90s, it's like. Every new trailer, flip a coin if Judge Reinhold's going to be in it or not. Because it was honestly, it felt like it was 50-50 because it just felt like he was popping up in everything for a while. And then just kind of disappeared and just kind of like was gone. So I love seeing that he's in this. And let's bring up that webpage, Jonathan, because this is the funny thing. The guy who plays, the guy beside Judge Reinhold there, if that's his partner cop, that guy looks like he's aged eight years in the last 30 like that, I was like, what? Whatever. Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser is now in fucking everything. Yeah, killing it. He's popping up in everything. Doesn't matter if it's Stranger Things or if it's The Boys or like 10 other projects he's got going. So now he's popping up back in this as well. Listen, again, I'm not going to pretend that I am excited about this movie. 
but it does raise my interest le level a little bit more seeing that the whole band is back together again. I think that's pretty cool. Rob, I think you've been more excited about this movie than I have been. And what do you think about this with the whole cast coming back? Look, Beverly Hills Cop is one of my favorite. The original is really good. I love yeah. the original. Even the sequel, the second the, the second one's pretty good. Tony Scott directed that too. But this, Beverly Hills Cop is 38 years old. <laughs> 38 years old. Let's say Eddie Murphy's character, Axel Foley, in the first movie was 25. 25 plus 38. And he's he's still a cop? What is he, a beat cop? Like, you know, even Ronnie Cox is still alive, Lieutenant Bogomil. And he was, how old is he, 50? You know, when he made the... I, I, I Look, I will get excited for this because I love the original. Maybe this is the Top Gun Maverick, both Paramount films, of the... Beverly Hills Cop franchise. But, John, I'm a little dubious. Come on, man. I listened to the Neutron Dance from Pointer Sisters on my drive out here <laughs> because of this news. Look I, look, I would love to see, I mean, Paul Reiser, when he's in the first movie, when he's like, this is not my locker. I, st I love that. But, but I hope it's good. The question is, which Star Wars storyline will it pick, will it rip off Star Wars? Like Maverick did. <laughs> anyway, Empire. Amy, okay. I, I almost okay. hesitate to ask this. Because I don't think you were alive when the first Beverly Hills Cop came out. No, sir. Have you ever seen the original Beverly Hills Cop? I haven't. Okay. I you know, haven't. You know what? I, I'm I, waiting for that 3D re-release. <laughs> in IMAX. Yeah. In exactly. IMAX. Uh, I'm surprised how many people I've talked to in the last couple of months since news of this came out that have actually said they've never actually watched any of the Beverly Hills Cop movies before. So I'm, I was a little bit surprised by that. Yeah. Anyway, what do you think about them bringing back like the original cast from the, what did you say it was? 38-year-old? 38 years. 38 it was 1984. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, it's impressive they were able to get everyone back. I I want to say that makes me more hopeful. Again, I'm obviously not a huge Beverly Hills Cop fan. I haven't seen the original. But I feel like that can so go either way. I mean, it's not it, it's cool that they got, you know, some of these people are obviously still big names. Obviously, Paul Reiser having a really big moment right now. But as someone said, we're all kind of going, oh, didn't know a couple of these people were alive. <laughs> it's it's um, I, it just doesn't feel like one that's itching for a, a reboot or a sequel for me. And again, maybe it's just, yeah, it didn't quite have the pop cultural staying power. You know, there's movies from this generation that I feel like my generation, it is like, not, not that I loved these, but it's like, yeah, more Ghostbusters. We all love Ghostbusters. And I feel like this is one I'm just not, not feeling quite as much. It's cool they got everyone back. If it's getting great reviews, I'd probably check it out. But yeah, not super high on my list of, of things I'm excited about. I just looked up Eddie Murphy's 61. So shouldn't this be Beverly Hills Detective? In his prime, man. Like, would he still be a cop? <laughs> yeah, he probably should be. He'd be. He should be retired at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, do they? Can you be a cop at sixty-one? And here's the other thing: is kind of has it like holding back my excitement about it. And it's not fair. It's not fair. But one of our viewers a few weeks ago brought this up, and it is completely not fair, but it is true nonetheless. I think. The sequel to Coming to America is hurting my ability to have excitement about this. Hey, listen, mm -hmm. it's a totally different property. It's totally different writers. It's totally, it's not fair that I should let my overwhelming disappointment of Coming to America 2 like hinder my excitement about this. But I think it is, even though that's completely not fair. I know exactly where you're coming from. Look, I love Dolomite is my name. Oh, it's so good. I and love Eddie Murphy's so great. And, and it. Craig Brewer directed both Dolomite is my name and coming to America too. I thought coming to America too was going to be great. 
So did I. Great. So did I. It looked great. And when I saw it, I was like, huh. Because the first one holds up. You go back and watch that first movie. It's funny oh, it's as hell. hilarious. And I, again, I, I don't necessarily, I mean, I like the idea of doing sequels to movies, but like when Paul Newman did The Hustler in the 60s, Fast Eddie Fels, and that was great. The Color of Money, the sequel to that that was made in the 80s, 25 years later, it was like a different movie. It was still the same character. It was a sequel, but they called it something else. And if you had not seen the original, you could still enjoy the, I mean, I almost want to say that they should have done that, like colored of money it, because calling it Beverly Hills Cop creates, it puts something in my mind where, like in Maverick, they did a good job because I was thinking, well, how is he still a fighter pilot? And they got over that quickly. I'm like, okay, I'll buy it. But do I buy a 61-year-old cop? You know what could actually have been more relevant for this day, uh, as far as Eddie Murphy remakes, is trading places. Especially with our current situation. That could have been like more. Oh, that's probably coming. Housing market, trading. That would have been much more applicable. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? I I will admit, I think my my anticipation level of this movie's moved up a bit, knowing that they're bringing the whole original crowd back. But maybe that works against it. Are you guys looking forward to this movie? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move on to main topic number three. Amy, what is our third main topic today? Our third main topic comes to us from Nithalon. Hi, John and crew. Did you see the new Instagram post from Ms. Marvel directors Adil El Arbi and Bilal Fala? They posted some footage and said, who's ready for season two in the caption? Am I just being too hopeful or is this an actual Ms. Marvel season two announcement? All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, man. Listen, Ms. Marvel, I think... I think I'm settled on it now. Ms. Marvel, I think, is the second best Marvel Plus show, uh, Disney Plus show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mar- Disney Plus Marvel show, I used to say. Yeah, I was wrestling with it and WandaVision, but I think WandaVision is still the gold standard. Yeah. But Ms. Marvel just blew me away in ways that I wish, you know, Falcon the Winter Soldier or Loki or, or Hawkeye or Moon Knight or whatever could have. I loved the show. It had so much heart so much character. It was so charming. Um, I just absolutely loved it. Now, I had had my doubts that they were going to do a Ms. Marvel season two because they seem to now be transitioning her to the big screen. We've got the Marvels coming out. We know that uh, Iman Vellani is going to be, you know, a prime character in that. We actually, they actually teased it at the end of the last episode. So it's all there. However, a guys who directed a couple of those episodes are maybe hinting there's a season two, as you said, they put up an Instagram post and let's bring up that web page there. Oh, uh, yeah, let's that. bring up the web page for a second and scroll down a bit because they actually put up a social media post. If you scroll down on it, Jonathan, a little bit further than oh, there we that go, Pinocchio. <laughs> where they actually said, um, who's ready for season two. So, I mean, that seems to be a bit of a tease that maybe they're going to be doing season two, but they're the only ones suggesting it right now. Because here's the thing. This comes from the folks uh, over at Screen Rant who did write the following. There has been no official word or movement on Ms. Marvel Season 2, but a recent rumor suggested that it was renewed in secret at Marvel Studios. That is what makes a recent post by Ms. Marvel co-directors Ida uh, El-Arib and Bilal Falah potentially quite notable. The directors shared a video on Instagram of them talking about working on the series and the caption reads, just reminiscing on our time spent on the MCU, who's ready for season two? 
the caption teases, they could be involved in Ms. Marvel Season 2 if it does happen. However, it is worth noting that several other creatives with the show have said that they did not think a season, a second season would happen. And Iman Vellani, the star of the series, even recently noted that she knows nothing about Miss Marvel season two. Uh, that comes to us from Screen Rant. Now, it's it also should be noted that you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on that one. I'm gonna hold off on that one. But yeah, so we have the directors. Listen, you also got to keep in mind that these guys didn't direct all of Ms. Marvel. They were featured very prominently in the making of Ms. Marvel documentary on Disney Plus, which, by the way, was very good. Uh, but they didn't direct all the episodes. The other, one of the other directors actually specific, specifically said uh, the plan is for there to not be a season two. So it sounds kind of like maybe they're fishing a little bit out there. It's like, hey, hey, Marvel, look, people want a season two. I don't know. I'm going to stay on what I thought before. I don't think there's going to be season two. I think they're graduating Ms. Marvel to the big screen. So, but Hey, I would totally welcome a season two if they did it, but I think they're moving her on. Amy, you read the comments from the directors. Do you think there's going to be a Ms. Marvel season two? I don't reading this and reading the like out of context. Who's ready for season two? Sure. Maybe, but reading the full caption of like, we're reminiscing who's ready for season two. And even the punctuation, not to read too deep, but like the question mark exclamation point, it feels very playful to me. It feels very like, right? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Wouldn't that be fun? Maybe they're kind of trying to move the needle that direction. But ultimately, this red is playful to me. And frankly, with, uh, you know, with Ms. Marvel moving to the big screen, it, it would feel almost like a weird backstep to then bring her back onto TV. It's just not something I could quite see them doing. I, I think if if, say, the Marvels was a huge breakout hit or something, we could even get movement down the line with, you know, Ms. Marvel in more of the uh, MCU like film side of things or even a solo movie, but I couldn't see them putting her back on TV. Rob, what do you think? Could, do you think we're going to get a Ms. Marvel season two after reading that, those comments? No. And also these are the directors of Batgirl. Yes. And Kevin Feige did come out when this Batgirl business went down and, and came out in support on social media. Well, they did a very good directors. job on Ms. Marvel. Yeah, they did a great job on Ms. Marvel. And I think, I think that, um, uh, like you were pointing out just now, I think Miss Marvel is now moving into a feature film career, which we haven't seen yet. I think they were literally just like you said, we were reminiscing. You know, they're probably sitting around going, We need a job. So they're reminiscing and 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 they had a great experience and they did a great John, I'm with you. I love Miss Marvel. I thought that it was a show that in its conception and its execution did exactly what they wanted it to do. I thought, and you and I both love the secondary characters, the family aspects, the acting was terrific. She's phenomenal, but she's going to be in a movie. Yeah. Big movie. I mean, the, the Marvels is going to be a big movie for them, I think. And, um, I think this is, she's moving. Miss Marvel is going to be a feature franchise character, unless they do a young Avengers TV show. And she'll come <laughs> back in that. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this story? Do you think the director's social media posts hints that there is going to be a season two? Or do you not think that? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys, before we move on to our next topic, we're going to take a second to thank another sponsor of today's show. I love these guys. Watch them all the time. The folks at Masterclass. Hey, guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, 
Masterclass. You guys know we have been sponsored by Masterclass and we love them here at the John Campius Show for giving us in-depth information on a wide variety of topics from the world's best experts. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn the art of filmmaking from James Cameron, improve your cooking skills from Gordon Ramsay, or learn how to make compelling YouTube videos from Marquise Brownlee. With over 150 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is close closer than you think. I was recently watching through the independent filmmaking course by Spike Lee, and I found it fascinating that not only did he cover the broader topics like working with actors, but he also gets into finer details like working with a cinematographer and how to properly audition a DP for your project. It was fascinating. So guys, I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class, and as a John Campius Show listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash campia now. That's masterclass.com slash campia for 15% off masterclass. And thank you to our friends at masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia show. Remember guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So make sure you go down the description right at the top there. You're going to find links to all of our sponsors and their promo codes. And again, thank you to masterclass. All right, with that down, let's get into main topic. Number four, Amy, what is our fourth main topic today? Darren Kay says, hey, guys, so I got up early this morning to watch the new episode of She-Hulk, and it was okay. And that's how I'm feeling about this whole show. It's okay. I mean, I don't mind turning in, tuning in to watch it, but it's not like Rings of Power or House of the Dragon where I'm counting down the days till a new episode comes out. This episode was just that. Okay, but didn't make me excited for the next one. Did you guys see the episode, and what did you think about it? All right, Darren, thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, look, She-Hulk, listen, She-Hulk is a really interesting Marvel, you know, case study, if you will. I thought the first episode of She-Hulk was great with the stuff with Bruce and, and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was great. Once we got into episode two, the show started to become what it was, which was an Alan McBeal style Marvel sitcom. And that's what it meant to be. And I appreciate it for that. I, I appreciate what they've been going for. And I've enjoyed moments along the way. There have been episodes I've enjoyed more than others. And we're now six episodes in. But a couple of weeks ago, you guys will remember, I started talking about, here's my problem with the show. And I talked about a lot ad nauseum last week, but I'll bring it up again here. My problem with the show is that while I love the concept and I love and I recognize what they're going for. And, the, and all that that entails. My problem has been, this is a comedy and it's not funny. That's That's been my issue. Now, there have been moments of big laughs for me. Like, F everybody else. I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks about it. That twerking scene with Megan Thee Stallion was brilliant. And I laughed my guts out at it. I thought that was hilarious. Um the Madison stuff, I, I ended up falling in love with it, even though I was kind of annoyed by it at first. By the time they got to the end and they're freaking watching This Is Us and eating chips or whatever, I thought that was hilarious. There have been a couple of moments, but I can count on one hand the number of moments through six episodes that I have guffawed, laughed out loud. Five times in six episodes. It should be five times per episode. And this recent episode of She-Hulk, the one that, you know, with her going to the wedding, 
and we're not going to go into big uh, details, but I mean, you know, no Daredevil, despite the fact that that, and that's fine. Daredevil could have been in it. Wouldn't change the thing. The show's not funny. I, I just went through the entire episode and the basic gist of it is, you know, Jennifer gets invited to be a bridesmaid in a wedding of a friend of hers from high school. And, you know, of course, the dichotomy that she's struggling with, am I She-Hulk, am I Jen? That kind of comes into play and whatever. And Titania shows up. Uh-oh. And then what happens there? And that's all fine. And it's all good. And if I had read that as a two-paragraph outline of the episode, I would have thought, oh, this is going to be an interesting episode. But it's not funny. And I've said this before. I, I say it about horror films. In horror films, you can do everything wrong. Everything wrong. You can have bad dialogue, bad characters, bad everything. But if you give the audience the creeps and some good scares, they'll walk out happy. Or you can do everything else right in a horror movie. And if you don't give the audience that, they're going to walk out unhappy. Comedy is the same way to me. You can do everything wrong. It doesn't matter. If you make the audience laugh, nothing else matters in a comedy. Nothing. And if you do everything else right, but you fail to make the audience laugh, it don't matter what else you did right. And I sat there and I realized as the credits started to roll, I realized my lips never moved once. I didn't grin. I didn't smile. I certainly didn't laugh out loud. And so what are we left with? We are left with, I believe, a great idea for a show that is unfortunately a comedy that isn't funny. And if it's not going to make me laugh, why would I watch? And I, it's official. I'm tapped out. I'm done. I, I, I can't watch this show anymore. It's not that it's doing anything explicitly bad. It's not. They're not doing anything explicitly bad with it. It's just that you're not making me laugh. I am turning into your, turning, tuning into your comedy to laugh, and you're not making me laugh. And it's unfortunate that I had to go, I had to pop on on Disney Plus for Love and Thunder to actually get some laughs. And that's not even supposed to be a huge comedy. So anyway, that's kind of my take on it. Um, again, nothing super bad about it. It's an interesting concept for an episode. Again, it just failed to make me laugh. And I'm done giving my time to a comedy that's not going to make me laugh. Anyway, Amy, you saw She-Hulk yesterday. What did you think about it? I'm scared to say I kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not going to argue that it's a brilliant comedy. I'm not going to argue it's by any means, you know, the best uh, Marvel show on Disney Plus or even near the top. But I'm enjoying it. And I actually enjoyed this week more than I have some of the past weeks. It felt a little more congealed as as a full show I, I i liked the wedding thing and maybe that's just my own personal bias right now because i am currently in my own little wedding mode and spent way too much of my day yesterday on wedding tiktok so i i think some of that stuff just felt um very fun and you know even just like that awful peachy pink bridesmaids color they put on everyone that doesn't look good like those little details made me smile was i guffawing no but i was entertained it felt like a charming mid-level sitcom to me uh i also really just love i i do think their casting continues to be really solid i love patty harrison i just think she's hysterical in anything who played the bride um so generally for me it's i enjoyed it 
Uh, I completely understand. Yeah, you're probably not counting the days to this like you are for something like, you know, Game of Thrones or Rings of Power. It's not that type of show. And I will die on the hill of I think that's great. I think whether or not you like it, it's nice that we're getting some mid-level comedies. Do I wish the writing was a little sharper and there were more genuine laugh out loud moments? Sure, that'd be great. But ultimately, I find it charming. I find it entertaining. Tatiana Maslany continues to be great. This guy they're kind of bringing in is maybe a love interest, I think, is really charming. So ultimately, there's enough there that I'm enjoying and, and finding entertaining that I'll stick it out for a couple more episodes. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that feel the same way you do. Rob, you had a chance to see the episode. What do you think of it? Uh, this is an episode I really actively disliked of all of all the episodes. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why, honestly. So the premise of this show when she becomes Hulk and the first episode, David Banner's like, you got to be uh, Bruce Banner's like, you have to be a superhero. You know, you have the power now. And she's like, I don't have to be a superhero. Well in this, and then she goes to a law firm and is going to deal with superhero issues. This story of the immortal man and the fact that no, he's not going to oh, right, story okay. details. This is this to me, the perfect story with which to put Jennifer Walters and her legal prowess front and center, because she's dealing with women's issues herself, how women are dealt with in the workplace, how women are wronged by men. And if, if you're using superpowers and all that, I'm like, this would have been a perfect case for her to try. And what do they do? They were completely remove her from that case. And they send her away to this wedding. And then what does this have to do? And at the wedding, she's abused. And it's like, I'm like, I don't, first of all, I don't believe anybody would, I, I didn't believe it. It had no, this, this episode had no verisimilitude. I didn't believe any of what I was watching. And also, John, like you said, it never made me laugh either. And the premise, the premise of what was going on in the law firm was ripe for exploration, for humor, for social commentary, for Jen Walters to confront various things in her own life. I thought it could have been great. And she wasn't even part of that. Like, why would you remove, this is a nine episode show and you took your main character out of the main premise of what the show is actually about when it could have been a great episode of that show within, and, and the B story was much more interesting than the A story to me. Well, guys, uh, that difference of opinion. I mean, I, I've also read online. Some people really quite enjoyed the episode. Maybe you're one of those. Some people like myself didn't, whatever. I, Maybe I will, you're one of those. Oh, I will say I also really kind of liked, I thought it was going to feel too on the nose, but bringing in like the toxic male website that's like hating oh, yeah. Hulk. I yeah, thought yeah. that was really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that's very interesting. Actually, they've been doing a lot of nods to the reality that we live yeah. in sort of things. And that, that part was interesting, uh, but again, it wasn't a part that made me laugh, unfortunately. Questions for you. How are you feeling? Maybe you're loving She-Hulk and you you just can't wait for every episode. Maybe you're some, you're like, yeah, you're on the fence about it. Maybe you're like me where you're officially tapping out and giving up on it. I don't know. Whatever you guys think about it, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's on to, let's move on now to main topic number five. Amy, what is our fifth main topic today? Some dude on the internet says, greetings from Saskatoon. Ah, my old stomping grounds in Saskatoon. <laughs> now that Matt Shackman is directing Fantastic Four, looks like they're going to start writing and casting soon. Just read that Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer have been hired to write while everyone else looks for the actors themselves. Never heard of these writers before, so I'm not sure what to think. Penny, for your thoughts on this bit of news, thanks. And keep bringing on the filthy, y'all. Or uh, brining on the filthy? <laughs> brining on the Brine filthy. Brine on the filthy, baby. Yeah, you All right, it. 
Some dude <laughs> on the internet, thank you so much for sending that in. Now, look, if you're one of those people who are hearing the names and going, you know, uh, who? Like from Guardians, you're not alone. I've never heard of either of these guys. Mm-mm. And I went on to IMDb and I to, to go down and run down their credits, expecting to find, oh, I didn't realize they did that, that I didn't know. I think they wrote like three things since 2006, and I've never heard of any of them. Just because I haven't heard of any of them doesn't mean you haven't, but I'm just saying for me, I looked up and said, okay, never heard of any of them. So I think it's fair to say that these guys are relative unknowns in the business. Um, these are the types of guys that Kevin Feige seems to know how to find and, you know, in a very Aladdin way, a diamond in the rough and uh, make something kind of cool out of them. Um, does that concern me that you're approaching a venerable IP like Fantastic Four with, let's call them what they are. They're kind of fresh. Uh, they're, they're kind of, they haven't done a lot. They're pretty inexperienced and they're doing that well. Here's the catch. They're not just penning this Fantastic Four. They're penning the Fantastic Four path moving forward, and they're already developing Fantastic Four 2 and 3 and maybe more. This comes to us from the folks over at, I believe this was The Hollywood Reporter who wrote, with Matt Shackman, uh, of course, who was the director on WandaVision, with Matt Shackman boarding as director, Marvel Studios has now found its writers to deliver the new Fantastic Four pick. Sources tell Deadline, sorry, this is Deadline, uh, that Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer are on board to write the script for the film. Insiders add that the writing duo have actually been involved with Fantastic Four for some time already, even before Shackman was tapped as director. And here's the interesting part, have been outlining where the next series of films will fit into the Marvel Cinematic Universe alongside Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. So there's a couple of really interesting points in here. Uh, number one, yeah, the one that we're all focusing on is Fantastic Four has its writers. Great. But number one, uh, they've been on this for a while before Shackman was ever announced. So they were probably still writing this when John Watts was still, probably still the director. So now whether that means a couple of months or whether that means they've been writing for six months and now we're just finding out that they're the ones doing it, who knows? I'm sure somebody will discover what the answer to that is at some point. But the most interesting thing to me on this is not only has Feige tapped these two relative unknowns and relatively inexperienced dudes, he's working with them developing the series of films. They're already writing the outlines for Fantastic Four 2, 3, maybe 4. So what is that one going to be called? FFF? But they're already developing the series and the franchise and how it fits into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And apparently Kevin Feige is so into these guys, he's working right alongside of them on this. Anyway, Rob, you heard about this. You see about this. I don't know if you were familiar with these two writers. What do you think about them being the writers, the the shepherds, if you will, of Fantastic Four and the fact that they're doing outlining multiple films in it? Well, yeah, I mean, the first when I heard this news, I was like, you know, I think when I was looking at your your notes, I'm like, what do you mean? There was no script like there has to be a Fantastic Four script already for the first movie. I mean, I'm sure that's done. Like you said, they the article says they were hired a long time ago. That's why you, you don't usually hire a studio doesn't usually hire a director unless the director is like an auteur to develop the script alongside like this. This has to be down the road a bit. But the fact that they're now talking about multiple movies means they've done a good job, which I like to hear. And if Kevin Feige is working alongside these guys plotting where the Fantastic Four is going to go, it's like it's like Marcus and McFeely. 
who yeah. wrote, you know, they they came on board. I mean, they had written things like Chronicles of Narnia and stuff like that, but they were great writers. They stay on board. They write multiple films, and we got some very satisfying movies from that. Yes, we did. So I find this to be exciting, exciting news that they're 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 plotting multiple films. So we're gonna get, I think, a gratifying storyline because, dude, I want this movie to be good. I love the Fantastic Four. I've been disappointed what four times now. Yeah, <laughs> and I if you want, count Cormans, yeah, if you count Cormans, and I I. I really am pulling for this movie, and I, I think it's going to be great. Hopefully, I hope Springs Eternal, and if these writers are, are on to develop more projects, that means they love the script, and that can only be a good thing. So I'm excited. By the way, that one point that the viewer brought up that oh, the other people are going to be looking I, I don't buy that at all. I, I think they've got who they want to be. Uh, Fantastic oh. Four already locked down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like too. whether or not contracts are all officially signed and everything that that's another thing. But I, I think they probably already have an idea who their fantastic four are going to be. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if Shackman's being signed already and there's deals that are being made. I mean, he, he, he said, I'm not going to do star Trek. I'm going to come over and do fantastic four, which means it's real. They're not sitting around. Well, we're going to start. I mean, Feige has said he wants the director to have input into casting. But I'm sure that they are. They it goes beyond when they're right. casting. The well, I'm, yeah, but this is a unique situation where the director John Watts, who had who was attached for like two years, yeah, probably was involved in casting. Yeah, was probably involved yeah. in casting and now stepped away. Um, Amy, you hear about this? What do you think about? You know, we have a very major Marvel name in Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. You're bringing now on these writers who, how long they've been on, who knows? But we now know about these writers who most of us never even heard about mm-hmm. before but not just that they're plotting several of the movies and outlining these movies already what what stands out to you the most in all this i mean i'm enthusiastic about it i especially the fact that like you said they're bringing them on for a lot of this project it seems to me like there is a plan here and there is talent here that they've seen they wouldn't trust a property this big and that has you know this many people hoping they finally get it right to people who don't know what they're doing or aren't at least a good fit for whatever tonally they're doing with this project. And honestly, I would personally rather have newer talent that they see something in sometimes than getting, not always, sometimes you get someone who's proven and it's like, yeah, that's a great fit. That makes perfect sense. But especially, I think there is a bit of a Marvel vibe that we're falling into. And I hear people talking about like, oh, this isn't working in Marvel. That isn't working in Marvel. And I think bringing in new blood and bringing in people where it's kind of, okay, I don't know your bag of tricks. I can't picture exactly what you're going to do with this. I don't have sort of preconceived notions about what your style is. Could make for something really special. Now, what if they make Fantastic Four a big family comedy? Like, uh, I saw somebody in the live chat put it, but think of the Baxter building as The Office. And they do all Fantastic Four in a mock mockumentary documentary style. And, you know, you have Reed Richards goes, I don't know, Sue can sometimes be a little upset if you don't come in at a time in the morning. I, I, I don't know, but that's probably not the direction they're going. But listen, the one thing I would say to people who get really worried about this is that don't forget there are names you know now that you didn't know before Kevin Feige got mm-hmm. them, right? So I'm not saying I'm thrilled by the a writer announcements, but I, I trust Kevin Feige. A- until he shows otherwise, I trust him and his judgment. He's got an eye for talent. He knows the talent that will work well with him. And uh, let's see how that all works out. Anyway, guys, question is for you. 
What do you think about the new announced writers for Fantastic Four and the fact that they are already outlining the future films in the franchise? Do you feel good about that? Does it make you nervous? Do you have all the confidence in the world of Kevin Feige? Are you losing some of it? Whatever you guys feel, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, we are now going to move on to the most important part of the show, and that is hearing from you guys. We are now opening up the Super Chats. If you guys have a thought, theory, question, opinion that you'd like us to address, go ahead and fire that in now, but do so quickly because we only leave the Super Chats open for a couple of minutes. And by the way, guys, if you have a multiple-part question, try to keep it in as few parts as possible because sometimes it's hard to get around to all those. All right. Before we get to those questions, though, we're going to take a second and thank a main sponsor of our show, my cell phone service provider, the good folks at Mint Mobile. Hey guys, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist. I'm just kidding, there isn't one. Seriously, Mint Mobile just has premium wireless service from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find these crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions to streaming services that you'll forget to cancel and be charged full price for. I used to dread opening my phone bill every month because every time I was opening it, it was like playing roulette. I never knew what the actual price was going to be and it always seemed to get higher, but not with Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And if you're worried about the complication of switching things over, don't. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So guys, get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists at mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Seriously, you'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash campia. And a huge thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for being such a big sponsor of the John Campia Show and for giving me great cell phone service. All right, guys. With that down, let's get on to your thoughts, theories, and opinions. We're going to start, of course, with our beloved channel members. So, Ray, what do we got? Okay, Carlos Casada writes, it's unlikely, but I would love it if K2SO was actually B2EMO, B2EMOs. Oh, he's talking about the, the, oh, yeah. the, the other one. Yeah, no, Programming it, somehow transferred, like an upgrade from an Android to an iPhone. It would really up the emotional impact of K2SO's death. Um, you know, that's not bad. Like that, The idea that Android actually takes the personality programming of that droid and transfers into K2SO. Although when you listen to what KTSO's dialogue is, it doesn't sound like that at all. So, I mean, there might be wiggle room for them to do that. And you're right. It would kind of heighten the emotional impact of when K2SO dies. I know K2SO is not going to be in season one, but man, after watching Rogue One again, I'm like, I just, I want K2SO in this so bad. I forgot how <laughs> good he is. So I don't know, but that's an interesting idea. Let's see if they go with that route. All right, what's next? Dangerous Lee writes, guys, I've decided to ditch Rings of Power. It is far too slow for me. And with so much good content available, it was an easy choice. Andor is fire, fire, fire. Happy Thursday, everyone. Andor is exceptional. Yeah. Andor is exceptional television. And if you liked episodes one through three, wait till you see four through six, because they're better. Um, it's absolutely incredible. Listen, I, I get you on the slow pacing thing. I've, that has been my big complaint. If I didn't watch episode two, I might have tapped out of Rings of Power after just the first episode, because I, I found it unbearably slow. I am still on board with it, though, because to me, I said this last week, episode four 
Rings of Power is finally starting to look like the show I was hoping it would be. So I I quite enjoyed episode four a lot. So I'm going to hope that that's the, the pattern we see continuing uh, because it does. I mean, listen, this has been a slowly paced show and it doesn't need to be breakneck speed, but it has been too slow. And, and I find that it's correcting itself, but let's see what the future episodes have. So I don't blame you at all, man. I, I was almost there myself after one episode. All right, what's next? Raphael Castillo writes, the first three episodes of Andor should have been one 90-minute episode. It felt like Act 1, 2, and 3 anyway. Well, I mean, listen, that is exactly what Tony Gilroy said they're going to be, that this 12-season, this 12-episode season is kind of broken into um, four parts, that you got episodes 1 through 3, you got 4 through 6, you got 7 through 10, or 7 through 9, and then you have... Uh, 10, 11, and 12. So it, it, it you're very, you're right on the nose with your perception of that because that's exactly how they've meant to be structured. But I totally like the fact that this, again, the smartest decision they made was to release three episodes at once because I think if they had just released the first episode, if all I had seen was the first episode, I said this the other day, I would have been like, eh. but seeing all three of them in one chunk, I'm like, okay, I totally see what it is. And uh, that was brilliant on their part. But your, your perception is right. They're being told in three-episode chunks. All right, what's next? Last one. Alan S. writes, Hi, Campia crew. Is it just me, or am I the only one who gets bummed by no post-credit scenes for She-Hulk? I, that... know, I know they didn't enhance the story, but they were fun. Um, That's the other thing. Like, the first three or four episodes of She-Hulk? First four. First four. Mm -hmm. They all ended with post-credits. And... Oh. Listen, for better or worse on the episodes, the post-credit scenes were always fun. I, I always kind of liked it. it, especially, it was especially important, like, when you go through an episode that you didn't think was very good, but you kind of know you're going to get that mint on your pillow at the end. They just is <laughs> something a little bit enjoyable, because they, they've done a good job with those post-credit scenes. And so it makes it especially bad when you go through an episode like this one that I really didn't like, but you're like, okay, okay, let's, let's. The post-credit scene will put a smile on my face. Only that there's not even a post-credit scene there. So I don't know why you do the first four and then not do the next two. Do either of you guys have a theory on that? I have no idea why they didn't do that. And I've been disappointed twice in a row now. Especially because it doesn't feel like, oh, you have to set up some next plot. They, they yeah. were really just like, a lot of times, some of the stronger jokes of the episode, like the first episode post credit, I thought was the biggest laugh of the episode uh, with Captain America. Fun. Oh, that was, <laughs> was great. So funny. It was so funny. Yeah. And it is it is definitely one complaint I have with this show. I want them to lean into that stuff. I want more fourth wall breaks. I want more, you know, post credit scenes that just feel like silly little comedy buttons. I, I would love that. Yeah, I mean, not this episode, but it was like the last. The only fourth wall break we got was, oh, yeah, I have to go. I have to go get my suits. I have to go get my suits. And it was it. Like, that was the only... I want full flea bag. just her, like, when someone's being dumb, just her being like... It was almost like they forgot. Like, like that'd be great. Fourth wall break, we forgot. Just yeah. Like, he has to go get her suit. Yeah. Yeah, and where is her suit? They still haven't shown it yet. <laughs> still haven't shown it. Hey, well, last episode. All right, let's get on now to our super <laughs> chats you guys have been sending in. And by the way, yes, doing, the super chats are now closed. Drink so, uh, Amy, what do we got? <laughs> Alrencia says... Are there any off-the-wall Fantastic Four villains you would like to see them fight? I think Annihilus or Super Scroll would make sense due to Secret Wars and Secret Invasion. Are those really off-the-wall? Yeah, I wouldn't say those. Are <laughs> I wouldn't classify them as off-the-wall. No, I would say those are major, major players. <laughs> major I like players. both of them, by the way. Um, I think that introducing a, a Super Scroll, the, the Super Scroll after Secret Invasion is a great idea. All right, what's next? 
Uh, Edgar Magana says, I wish Marvel had a Marvel Knights film division for Punisher and Blade and such. Well, I mean, there there have been talk like, well, first of all, you talk of Midnight Suns and, and a lot of things like that. It's going to be interesting to see what their idea with that is. Honestly, I don't think they need it. And, and one of the things I don't think Marvel is looking to do is to create a schism or a dichotomy between, well, we've got Marvel Marvel, and then we've got this other brand of Marvel. I think they they want, to them it is important, I'm not saying whether I agree or not, but to them it's important that Marvel is Marvel. I don't know, Rob, what do we say that? Well, I mean, I understand where he's going in the sense that I'm really curious how Marvel's going to deal with the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got a Blade movie. Vampires, by definition, kill human beings for food. You can't get really around that. And, and Blade, the daywalker, is somebody that prevents vampires from doing this. And we saw in Morbius, are they going to get rid of the blood? Are they not going to lean in? How are they going to lean into the supernatural? We've got the werewolf, werewolf by night coming. Werewolves kill people, too. So are they going to try and shy away from the actual reality of what these mythical characters It's have a comedy, done? Rob. Don't you know that? Uh, I, yeah, it's, I, yeah. So is American Werewolf in London. There's funny stuff in there, but it's people true. die. You know, and I'm just curious, how are they going to handle? And I have to say, John, I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'm excited to see how is the MCU going to deal with the supernatural? Mm-hmm. Are they going to shy away from it or are they going to lean into it? Because, I mean, one of the great things about the beginning of that first Blade movie is they go to the blood rave. Yeah. You know, and then there's a great action scene where Blade shows up and starts killing fools. And By the way, have you been watching this season of the, the 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 newest season of what we do in the shadows? Oh yeah. With the new club and the blood sprinklers. Uh, it's the, it's so <laughs> funny. And but I, are they going to do that? All right, what's next? Uh, Andy said, got cut off yesterday. If I have a son, I'm naming him Carrie and passing on my birth name on, pronounced on, as his middle name. Before that, I'm... Wayward son? still didn't have it. Oh, no part two? No, we do. Okay. Uh, Going to court to legally change my surname to Wayward so I can call him my Carrie on Wayward I do have to tell you, Andy, I think we all kind of predicted where this was going. (laughs) Will Sam Dean be proud of me? I didn't. Don't know that part two was necessary. (laughs) Don't know that part two, that one was necessary. We're happy for the support, though. But, I mean, listen, for those those of you who don't know, Supernatural, I think, had the greatest tradition ever in any television series, which was at the end of every season, at the final episode of each season, during the season finale, they would do their television stereotypical, you know, previously on, but they would, it would have the words come on screen, the road so far. Hmm. And they would do a previously on edit um, of the, basically summarizing the whole season, but they always did it to the music of Kansas's carry on my wayward son. And they never did that during the whole rest of the season, just the season finale, the road so far, all the clips summarizing the series, carry on my way, right, the whole thing. And they started doing it every single year. It became one of the greatest traditions to the point where when we got to the season finale of the final season, I knew it was going to happen. When that, I, you can't tell, can you, can you see from there the bumps on my arm? Like I, I'm getting really emotional thinking about it. When they, when those notes start playing, carry on my wayward son during the series finale, not the season finale, but the series finale of, of uh, supernatural, I got really emotional. I could feel, I, I didn't outright sob, but I could feel the tears in my eyes welling up. Wow. I, I just knowing it was the last time it was seriously one of the greatest traditions in any television series ever. I, I, I love that they did that. And uh, that song will always be very special to me, even if the joke wasn't very good, Andy. 
correct. All right. What's next? Uh, James Argenta says, The Intelligentsia is a villain organization in the comics, often led by the leader. Other members include Egghead, uh, Modoc, Mr. Sinister, and Paste Pot Pete. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all if they put a Modoc in this. You could totally do a Modoc in something like this. But, I mean... It'd be like Mr. Immortal. You'd be throwing the character away, right. but I could totally see that if they have no plans for MODOK anyway, I could totally see them doing that here. What do you think? I absolutely think that could happen. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see more of this. And look, Mr. Sinister is my favorite X-Men villain, even though his name is Mr. Sinister, but he's still one of my favorite. He's one of the coolest villains Yeah, I would ever. love him to show up in the show. I don't think he will, but it'd be cool if he did. All right, what's next? Uh... Jai CSC said, per your hype, decided to give Yellowstone a go. Tagging out after episode three, this show is not for me, but interested to hear why you enjoy it so much. It's the Godfather with on horseback. I mean, it's, it's, it is, I think it is the best show on television. I mean, it's not on right now, but I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I, listen, all due respect to Succession, I think it's a better show than Succession. But like any show, it's not going to be for everybody. I mean, no show is for everybody. There's there's shows like Rick and Morty that everybody loves. It just isn't for me. There's going to be shows that, you know, people really dislike that I will like. I mean, and that's true of all of us. So if it didn't work for you, it didn't work for you. Lots of good stuff to watch. All right. What's next? Uh, Jedediah Elias said, everything everywhere is still playing in one theater near me. Excited to revisit it this weekend. The third act is some of the best storytelling of 2022. It is still to me. Now, I haven't seen Meet the Fablemans. I haven't seen Babylon. I haven't seen Amsterdam. I, there's a lot of the big hitters still coming out that I haven't had a chance to watch yet. So as of right now, everything, everywhere, all at once, to me, is still the best film of the year. Just for the originality. And oh, it, it just feels so like it's going to yeah. be such a high watermark to beat this year for me. But it's not just the bonkersness of no. it, right? Because when they go bonkers, I mean, she wasn't wrong when uh, when she said that everything, everywhere, all at once is the best multiverse movie of the year. Mm -hmm. And, and it is. But even before they get to the multiverse stuff and the bonkersness of it, just the family with their, like, Anne and I were almost in tears laughing. In the first 15 minutes yeah. of the movie, just the family and their, their laundromat business and their dynamic and the characters. And then it transitions, like, flawlessly into this bonkers, crazy, multiversal thing. And I'm just like, this is nuts. And the way they're able to pull it off... If I read it on paper before I saw the movie, I don't know that I would have thought it would work. I, I literally saw, I passed a house randomly that had two rocks that someone put like googly eyes on and like got <laughs> emotional. I was like, how'd that movie pull that off? It's That's so good. Fantastic. All right, what's next? Uh, John Weilbacher said the newest episode of She-Hulk was the most confident this show has felt yet. I loved it and it dropped some pretty big bombs for the MCU. Confident is a word I would agree with. I don't disagree with that. I, I, and I think that's why I like it. I think it might have been misplaced confidence. But, <laughs> but no, but you're right. This is a show. I mean, again, what happens in the show, I have no issue with. Like, I, I don't mind if I had just read the concept before watching the episode. I would have thought this is a pretty good. This could be a pretty interesting episode. To me, it just comes back to it not being funny. But that's the thing. Nothing is more subjective than humor, mm -hmm. right? Nothing is more subjective than humor. I'll drop a, a joke once in a while uh, here in the office, and none of these idiots that I surround myself with will laugh. It shows you not everybody has good humor. Mm -hmm. And uh, that happens quite often. Yeah, quite, yeah humor is really, really, really subjective. Like <laughs> really subjective. Yeah, so, I mean, 
and, and that's why it's not working. If I was laughing, I would enjoy it. You are laughing. And, and I'm sure a lot of people are because it's so subjective. So just because it's not clicking for me doesn't mean it can't click for you or, you know, Amy really enjoyed it as well. That's the best part, right? The best part about this format of entertainment is the fact that not all of it will work for you, but it can still work for a lot of other people. And that's when I say, like, when somebody writes and says they like something I don't like, I'm not just paying lip service. I'm like, that makes me happy to hear that somebody liked something that I didn't. Because that means they're getting joy and they're getting entertainment and they're getting something out of it. And I think that's great. It didn't do it for me. And that's okay. And some people see that as a bad thing. That's why you get these fucking morons out there. It's like, well, if you didn't like this and you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you did like that? Well, then you're just stupid. You know, fuck off. You're an idiot. The, the beautiful thing about this form of entertainment, the beautiful thing about the art is that there is something in it for somebody. And it may not be me. It may not be you. But there's a joke that gets cracked in a, in a movie or show that made somebody laugh really hard, might have made their day. And that's why I love it. That's why when people write and said, I didn't like that or like something that I hated, I'll go like somebody writes in and says they like the prequels. You know what my response is? I celebrate that. That's awesome. I mean, I didn't and that's okay, but you did. So I'm glad you liked the episode, man. I'm sure you're not alone. All right. What's next? Uh, Lorenzo Lycia with the almost $20 super chat. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Lorenzo. Uh, hi, John. Just wanted to say I've been a fan for a good while now since the AMC days. Thank also, you. I work at the Hollywood Bowl serving dinner in the box seats. The day you went to go see John Williams, I was super bummed because I... And then I do not see part two. Oh, okay, no. I wasn't there. I'm going to guess that Lorenzo was not our server that day. <laughs> um, dude, listen, I'll tell you what. I got spoiled because... Ann and I would go go to the Hollywood Bowl, especially every year for the John Williams Maestro of the Movies concert, right? And then, damn it, our friend Cliff Stevenson. One year ruined it. Because he invited me to come along. Ann and I already had tickets, but he had extra ticket for the day before the show we were going to. So I'm like, I get to see John Williams twice this weekend? Great. So he invites me to come, but the bastard had the box seats where you get your own little four walls and two tables there and the waiters bringing your food. And I'll tell you something, once that happens, it kind of ruins you. And it's like, you turn around and look back at the other seats and you're like, I don't want to go back there now. It's like, well, I can't remember what was it. Was it Seinfeld when somebody sat in first class for the first time? They're like, I don't want to go back there anymore. So ever since then, I've convinced Ann to let us save up for a bit and break our bank and every year we've gone to John Williams since we get those seats because I just I just love it so much but uh but yeah one of the best parts is they they you order food they bring food right to your table as you're sitting there enjoying John Williams it's a really good experience if you guys get the opportunity to uh if you're ever in LA go see a show at the Hollywood Bowl it almost doesn't matter what the show is it's such a great venue or you it can is. do the Amy experience where you're like sitting on the grass drinking rum out of a vitamin water bottle that's uh <laughs> also recommend it's funny because she does the same thing at the bus stop <laughs> and on the show and on the show <laughs> i'm living life at the amy newman experience let me tell you all right uh, what's next? highly recommend uh this uh Zishan said uh i first watched avatar on a plane in 2010 tomorrow i will be watching it at amc lincoln square imax the largest screen in the u.s wow Small upgrade that's nice. yeah that's gonna be a much different experience than watching it on the plane you know what i i I realized today, too, I, I haven't got my tickets to go see this, but I'm going to. Maybe I'll have to. Well, I can't do it. Maybe Saturday afternoon. Anne's doing some volunteering this Saturday. So we got plans in the evening, but I might go see a matinee of it because I, I really listen. I'm not a huge 
avatar advocate, but I really do enjoy the movie, and it is a visual spectacle. So, I mean, it's the see- way to see it. I do, too. I mean, I, I really enjoy the film, and it is a visual spectacle, and I, I'm going to go see it this weekend. I have tickets already. Yeah, I'll have to get mine. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher said, so no She-Hulk after show then? No, uh, I can officially say it now. She, we are no longer doing She-Hulk after shows. It's, uh, I, I just, listen, people watch after shows to come in and celebrate, you know, the show they watch. And there's no, look, what fun would it be? Like, if, if I'm sure there's a lot of our viewers who are enjoying She-Hulk, and that's great. But you're not going to have any fun watching an after show with me or Rob or whatever, just sitting there going, yeah, we didn't like it. I mean, what, what fun is that to watch as an after show? So there's really no point in us doing it. So, uh, yeah, we're now just going to focus on Andor Rings of Power and uh, House of the Dragon. So that's what we're going to do. It's not fun hearing people talk about shows they don't like, and yet I still have to do the Rings of Power show. <laughs> and, and you do the thing. <laughs> there All are right, things to next? recommend about it. Uh, Anubis Genocide said, Hi, John and crew. Loved Andor getting major Mask of Zorro Gattaca vibes from the relationship between Andor and Skarsgård's character. Also, I need the show's full soundtrack released soon. Well, Rob, you mentioned to me the other day yourself, like one of the big standout things of andor is the music the music you know, is incredible it is incredible and it's a different vibe you know just like the show's a different vibe for a star wars show or star wars entertainment the music is again it's a departure like i thought the music for mandalorian was great you know again a, a departure yet still and same with this show i love the fact that they're they're giving these shows musical identities of their own and i think that's really really important whereas you know I, uh, one of the things about uh, Kenobi, I wanted more of the traditional Star Wars music, and there wasn't a lot of that. But I really love the soundtracks mm-hmm. of this, sh- or the music of these these three episodes. Great. And if you think you like Stellan Skarsgård's character now, wait till after next week. His character has become so much more rich. It's it's just nuts. All right. Anyway, what's next? Uh, Collins E says, thanks for the recommendation, uh, RMB. I'm going to Barnes and Noble over my lunch break to pick up the Paul Tremblay book. I just warn you. Is that the, the cabin? Yeah. I just warn you when you start reading, don't start reading it. If you're on your lunch break, wait till you get home. Because you're going to be distracted. Rob, stop trying to tell people not to read. Just saying. I'm just saying. Cause it's one of, look, I read read a lot. (laughs) When I get obsessed with a book. Uh, uh, I got a book once, uh, James Lee Burks and the Electric Mist with, with Confederate Dead, and I got it in Seattle. And I was driving back to L.A. I literally had read to keep it while he was driving. He read, read it while he was driving. I was well, no, I just stopped doing that. I, I stopped every couple hours at rest areas or wherever. When I got to Santa Barbara, I went and sat on the beach. I mean, I was so obsessed with this book. This book is like that. You're going to want to read it in one sitting. I think, you know, I'll probably pick up the audiobook of it and just when I'm on the treadmill and, and get you know, it. I don't, I, I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about the driving in here, if there is one, because I would listen to that. I mean, I don't, I don't dig audiobooks, but I would have done because I want to hear the story again. All right. What's next? Blake 62 said, I'm going to have to sit through an, all nine of these She-Hulk shorts to see Daredevil, aren't I? Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Like I, I had somebody, I saw somebody in the live chat earlier, right? And say, John, you're topping out, but you're not going to stick around for the Daredevil thing. It's like, what's that going to do? Matt's going to show up. Hi, I'm Daredevil. And then the episode's going to end and he's not in it anymore. So, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to lie. Maybe if somebody tells me one of the episodes, hey, this is the one with Daredevil. I'm tapped out of the show. But what if they smash? Lying. What's that? What if they smash? Well, they're not going to show it, so it's not R-rated. Um, I mean, 
I'm not going to lie. I will probably then load up Disney Plus and watch the episode of these and just out of curiosity. But let's not pretend like that's going to make the show any better. What so. if I write a fan fiction where they smash? Will you read that? <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say no, maybe. Okay. Maybe. I'll read it. Okay. <laughs> You'll right. read it in one sitting. Yes, I, will. One sitting. <laughs> I promise you. I promise you I will. It's going to become the next Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> All right. What's Don't laugh. That's how it started. <laughs> that is exactly. Uh, my Comic Planet said, man, poor Sir Kristen Cole was just asking for his helmet back. LOL. Oh, yeah. That's all it was. It's just a big misunderstanding. Just a big misunderstanding. Boy, that dude went from honorable to dick real fast. And <laughs> that's one of the great things about the Game of Thrones world is that this stuff, because guess what? That happens in the real world. And so it's, uh, oh, God, I, I'm loving this show so much. House of Dragon is so freaking good. All right. What's be next? Back. Uh, Wayne Edwards with the $20 Super Thank Chat. You, Wayne, Wayne Edwards. Wayne. Has anyone heard of a podcast called Blockbuster? It is a, a biopic-style series that covers a big director each season. The first season covers George Lucas. The second covers James Cameron. Mm. I have never heard of it. I'd be really curious to know who does it. Yeah. Sounds cool. That sounds good. Yeah. That sounds like a really that. neat idea. All right, what's next? We got Jack Quick. Never heard of, uh, never heard your guys' thoughts on Barbarian. I personally loved it and thought it was hilarious. One of my favorites of the year. Well, Taylor loved it. I loved it. I loved it. All right. I left like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then one of those, I feel like some movies, I, I either think, every time I think about it, I like it a little more or a little less. And this was a little more for me. Like, I every time I think about it, I'm just like, damn, that was so scary. That was such a, I, I feel like, almost up there with everything everywhere for me of just this was a freaking ride of a movie kind of movie it also plays with structure in a really mm -hmm. interesting way and and i think that it's hard to do that in any kind of a film and it's unexpected when it happens it kind of it it, it serves to sort of wouldn't you say it kept you you're like suddenly going wait what it actually gave me goosebumps a couple times just for pure like what the fuck is happening because yeah, yeah. i can't remember the last time a movie made me feel that way even more, and I will say more so than everything everywhere, because it, was, it wasn't like, okay, we're doing something crazy in the story. It was almost like, was there a mistake? What's happening right. in a way right. that really was it's just so your cool. your expectations, John. All right, what's next? Uh, ja uh, no. Raymond Verada says, the new Star Trek Lower Decks episode is a must for Filipino Trekkies. No spoilers, <laughs> but it's about Rutherford, voiced by uh, Eugene Cordero, the cousin in Easter Sunday, and he builds something Filipino. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have no interest in the show whatsoever, because I saw like the trailers for it. I'm like, this looks really dumb. But I'll check that out. I'll be curious to check that out. It's too bad. Yeah, uh, Easter Sunday was terrible, unfortunately. But I will check that out because I liked everybody in it. So thank you for putting that on my... And you know what? By the way, to be fair, <laughs> I've heard from some people that actually Lower Decks is actually pretty good. Do you watch it regularly? I catch it. You catch I it? I catch up with it. Yeah, I've, I've heard some okay things about it. I, to be fair, again, it's, it doesn't look like it's for me. But I've heard some okay things about it. I mean, Mike McMahon, the creator was known for coming up with like he was tweeting about if there was a season eight of next generation what would it be and it, it's it's pretty clever and as far as it goes it is funny it's just not for me it's not the kind of star trek it, it to me it's just another way that star trek itself is being subverted but hey it's all things to all people right all right what's next uh Samuel said, John, did you see Barbarian? No, I mean, I told the story before. I was invited months before it came out to go see an advanced screening of it. Multiple times. Multiple times. Uh, the first day, it ended up being the same day we were celebrating Ray's birthday. The second time I was invited out to the studio to go see it, something else was going on in my life. And then the weekend that it was opening, 
in theaters, I was out of town. And for those of you guys who've watched me for a long time, if I cannot see a movie by the latest, the weekend that it opens, I don't talk about it. And then that passed since I couldn't talk about it or review it. I kind of moved on. I st and then Ann and I had bought tickets to go see it. And then the night came that we were going to go see it and she got sick. So we didn't go that night. And then we had tickets for another night to go see it. But Rings of Power was on and like, I'm not skipping Rings of Power. So that was, and so it was just like, nope. And I'm sitting here, still have never seen it. So I'm going to have to watch it sometime this week, I think. All right, what's next? Zishan says uh, the re-release of the biggest movie of all time has a reputation of being the goat theater experience is going to make more than a couple million. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, listen, I they re -released, listen one of the great sci-fi <laughs> movies of all time is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And they re-released that in theaters. And I think it made like four million bucks. Now, it's, I, I think Avatar can make more than that. But like some people, like I saw some people throwing around the number like 40 million and stuff like that. It's like, no, it's not going to do. I mean, if it does, that's awesome. I'll be super happy for it. And listen, one of the other things it's got working for it, not a lot out there right now. Yeah. I mean, you can either go watch Top Gun Maverick for the 18th time. You can go watch The Woman King. Yeah. But, and you yeah, don't worry, drawing, but with all the drama with it, I mean, there are some other movies you can go see, but there's not a lot of options out there. So that might work in Avatar's benefit as well. All right, what's next? Harv's K says, Ms. Marvel had, su had, a, had such a great ensemble cast. It'll be a shame if they can't come back for season two. You can't fit them all in a Marvel's or Young Avengers movie, at least in any meaningful way. You know what, Harv's, you raise a really, really good point. I really like um, Milani as, as uh, Ms. Marvel. She was great. I thought she was charming and wonderful, but... At least 50% of my love of that show came from the ensemble cast. I agree with you, man. Particularly the family. And so I wonder, I'm not doubting, I'm just saying I wonder, how will I like the character separate from that incredible family and supporting cast? And, and the answer, I, I don't know right now. I have a lot of faith in it, but I mean, if there was any reason to bring back a second season of that show... That's it. It's the family. It's it's uh, the ensemble cast. What do you think? No, I completely agree with you. I, I I thought that it was charming. I mean, and and the the family played such an integral part to her development. I mean, the fact that you had a, a father and a, a and a mother that really nurtured her and cared about her and played an active role in who she was becoming. I thought that was a big big part of that story. I mean, the whole idea of family and it was really well done. Yeah, super well done. All right, what's next? Uh, Luis Enrique de la Pena said over under 15% and or will have a Darth Vader or Leia cameo. Well, they did say, uh, um, um, Gilroy, Tony Gilroy said that this is not going to have any fan service. Mm. I would hope, I mean, obviously Leia is part of the rebellion Yeah, and, and maybe Jimmy Smith's, you know, there, there's, there's the rebellion thing going on, but since it's the birth of all that, I would really hope I mean, look, I wouldn't mind seeing the emperor addressing the Senate or something like that. Right. But I, I hope they shy away from Vader and I hope they shy away from Leia. I, I think really they do. Will. I would say under on that. Yeah. I mean, look, Gilroy, we were just talking about this the other day. Gilroy mentioned that I am, my mandate was no fan service. I am only putting a character in this if it is absolutely essential to the story of Andor. So obviously we're going to get Mon Mothma. And we're going to get Sagara because to him, those were integral parts of the story. They are characters. 
Leia at this point, remember, this is five years before the events of the Battle of Yavin, right? So Leia's going to be significantly younger than even what we saw her in Rogue One. There is no narrative reason why you need to have Vader in this. Vader would not play a prominent role in the formation of this nobody guy who's about to join the rebellion. So maybe a quick, like looking up at a hollow vid and seeing the, the, the emperor addressing the Senate or something, maybe something like that. But I see, I don't see him doing any of these quick fan service cameos. No, but I do see whether it's in season one or I mean, season one's done, but season two, I could see that as a result of the rebellion beginning its activities, that the emperor is going to close his fist on the systems, you know, he, he, and making it more difficult and upping the stakes maybe in season two or something. I, I want to see a great Nuremberg rally speech from Palpatine. Now, somebody in the live chat uh, is saying, well, John, we're not talking about, uh, we're talking about, it was uh, Superman baby. I'm, I'm not calling him that. That's his name in the live chat. Superman baby says, we're talking about cameos, John, not an actual part. That is fan service. Like a, right. a quick, Hey, everybody, remember me? I'm Darth Vader. Look at my Ooh, lightsaber. Killer Darth Vader impression, yeah. by the way. And then, yeah, wasn't that great? Why does it sound like he's got I thought doing... James Earl Jones walked in. Why is he going to start singing Hello, My Baby? Like, <laughs> hey, everybody, it's me, Darth Vader. <laughs> but Tony Gilroy, the thing is, Tony Gilroy specifically said he is not putting anybody in there unless it's essential to his story. And that, that I think, was Tony Gilroy saying, no, we're not just going to have these men. Look, everybody, we recognize him. Quick cameo. Okay. I, I, I think Tony Gilroy was pretty explicit about that. So I, I no, I'm not expecting that. I think it's pretty, the chances are pretty low. John, what do you think about Borgullet showing up in this? <laughs> Borgullet lies. Deceit. <laughs> Borgullet will know. There you go. That's the worst part of Rogue One was that there stupid. Oh, it was Love it. Part. You All got right. that one. <laughs> what's next um andy said brilliance should totally play the x-men theme oh my god that would be so appropriate and now for those of you who know what we're talking about was it today's show or was yesterday's, yesterday's show? show will smith's new movie is called brilliance and when you read the synopsis of it it's totally x-men one <laughs> percent of the population has superpowers and the government has an agency to overlook them and one of them is trying to cause a civil war in the world it's like yeah it's totally x-men if he, he comes out and they do that little thing like they did in Ms. Marvel. That, that would be pretty funny. All right, what's next? Uh, Matt Sanders with the almost $20 super chat. Thank, Thank you, you, Matt. Matt. Tim, that Star Wars name was so normal it threw me off. Unless it's spelled Tim or Tim or something like that. Also, screw Tim. It is Tim with two M's. I watched with <laughs> subtitles. And I immediately was like, what guy like showed up hungover? And they were like, all right, did everyone bring their list of Star Wars names to the writer's room today? And he's oh. like... Yeah, oh, go ahead. God, fucking Tim, but two M's. <laughs> like, two M's. All I could think of was um, uh, the Holy Grail. There are yes. some who call me Tim's. Tim. <laughs> yeah, no, no, guys, see, it's got a second M, but it's not where you think. That's exactly what he should have said. Totally should have said It should have been with a Y, at least. I feel like that would have. Maybe it's short for some Star Wars word. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Mm, yeah. I mean, we do have Luke. Luke's out there. Right. That's true. All right, what's next? Uh, There you go. Sam Fisher said, cop mandatory retirement ages range from 55 to 65, so... I mean, yeah, so he could could be a a detective now. He could be... Or he's he's retired and he's a private investigator now and he's got to go to Beverly Hills to solve a crime. Yeah, something drags him back in. 
Yeah. Yeah, every time family. Out, they drag me. Family dress. <laughs> or maybe him and his old buddies, they created an agency themselves. I mean, I don't know. I'm just making this We're up. cops. They're cops. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, Al Rensha says, have you seen the R-rated Doctor Strange 2 deleted scene where Wanda decapitates a soldier at a Carmitage and the and then uses their body to fight everybody? Oh. Also, this gives me hope of R-rated content in the MCU. I saw that on Twitter. I did not. I, there was a clip I, didn't, I saw yeah. on Twitter today. I mean, I can understand. It was cool. It was very Sam Raimi. It's very Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah, it sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. No, I was like, you could have done that. But ultimately, would have would it have, would that scene have made the movie? That's very unlike the Scarlet we've been knowing. Like to do that to like actually use someone's <laughs> body. Spaghetti. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. mean. But this is just Poor Tim Rich. from the the Tim, another Tim that she would do that. Yeah, to. <laughs> I would have Tim. I would have loved that though because I do think another the strength Tim. of that movie was like the Sam Raimi horror weirdness. I wish they leaned into that harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if it was going to get them an R. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you pull back. See, to me, that doesn't tell me that there's a future for. I, I'm sure there's probably been other Marvel things that the the writers have had or the directors did that they realized. Oh, we got to cut that out. Whatever. I'm sure this it isn't a first. I'm sure it's not a first. Yeah. All right. What's next? Matt Boyle says, "I hope we see more of uh, Fiona Shaw's character in Andor, who plays Cassian's adopted adoptive mother. Her speech at the end of episode three, I love it. I the reason I believe that we're going to see more of her is because with the flashbacks, I don't think the purpose of the flashbacks was just for a narrative payoff in that one episode. I think those flashbacks are showing a deepening bond, and I think bad things might happen to her moving forward." And so I think we're going to see more of her. I hope I hope they do at any rate. Otherwise, investing all that time in the flashbacks of showing how they met and everything to me that's laying narrative groundwork for payoff later. Um, so my guess would be that we will. I don't know. What do you think? I think we probably will because she is such a great actress. And I think something like you said probably will happen to her. It's that's another inciting kind of an incident mm. that could push him further into the wherever he's going. All right. What's next? Andy said, from what I gathered from the reviews of Don't Worry, Darling, it sounds like Olivia Wilde chose styles over substance. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of my super chat. (laughs) Oh, boy. It is. It is curious, though, because look, think what you will. And obviously, there's going to be a wide variety of thoughts on uh, Shia LaBeouf. But think what you will. I contend he might be a top 15 actor in the world right now. Yeah, I, like, I, I just really think he's that good mm-hmm. of an actor. And you need to replace him. Let's not go into the drama of all that. But for whatever reason, he's not there anymore. You got to replace him. Instead of going out and getting, <laughs> say, another top 30 whatever actor mm-hmm. in the world to play the role, you go out and get Harry Styles, who granted... There's box office upside to that. There is box office upside to that. But the word we're hearing from this, and I haven't seen it, so I cannot say this definitively, but what we've read in a lot of the reviews people saw at the festivals was Styles is not very good in it. <laughs> and it just makes you wonder about that decision. Like, again, if you were going from somebody like Tim, any Tim, play this role, gone, okay, well, let's, let's get Harry Styles. He's got a big name recognition. He's a developing movie guy. Um, it's going to bring a lot of attention to the movie. That makes sense. But you go from somebody who I argue is maybe a top 15 actor in the world and then try to replace that with somebody who's not, 
It's an interesting <laughs> choice. Well, and seeing, uh, I saw a clip from this that was going around, and I mean, you've got some really top-tier actors working in this film, and I feel like if you got a guy who could really nail this, you know, with Florence Pugh, with Chris Pine, and if you filled out that third spot with someone fantastic, it could at least be like, a, the script was okay, but everyone acts the shit out of it? Suddenly, I'm more interested. Yeah. You know, John, it was really interesting. She was on, Olivia Wilde was on Stephen Colbert. And mad props to Stephen Colbert, who gave her her props for directing Booksmart and all that. But he addresses this directly to her. And it's really interesting to watch her response. Really? Uh, yeah. I would suggest everybody go on YouTube and watch the clip. Just Olivia Wilde, Stephen Colbert, they talk about Shia LaBeouf. I would be interested. Okay. It's wow. intriguing. All right. I'm going to have to do this as soon as we're done. All right. What's next? Uh, Suthius said, I still think the show is great. Thoroughly enjoying it. The characters are working for me. And uh, Titania is awesome. I, I just, I can't with Titania. <laughs> not, not, like, no, listen, I get it. Everybody other, this is not unusual for a lot of sitcoms. Everybody other than your prime characters are very one-dimensional whatever characters. Again, even if you go into something like The Office, right? Creed is Creed. I mean, Creed is just always Creed. Um, there, Angela is always Angela. Like, it's just, it, it is what it is. And so when you get characters like Titania, or you get characters like Madison, or you get characters, but Titania is supposed to be your kind of through string here. I wish she was not such an obvious idiot oh i think he was saying uh tatiana Maslany's great i misread that oh well, tatiana is, yes listen, she's I'm, fantastic that's tatiana on me is carrying the show i mean honestly she is sick because the the humor hasn't been there for me what tatiana Maslany has put that show on her shoulders and she is strictly carrying that show i was definitely watching it thinking like i hope the fact that people aren't loving this show does not uh, negatively impact her career because she really deserves to be working. Oh, she's constantly. she's an Emmy Award winning yeah, world class actress and good Canadian kid, by the way. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, my Comic Planet with the almost $20. Thank you, My chat. Comic Planet. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. James Cameron says he clashed with the studio over decisions with Avatar. He yep. told the studio, this building we're meeting in, this new $500 million complex on your lot, Titanic paid for that, so I get to do this. That's balls. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you pro you missed the show like, a couple days ago. I think on Monday show, we, we made an entire topic out of that and discussed that uh, ad nauseum. But yeah, listen, I, I love that he did it, but recognizing he is one of maybe two people in the world who can do that, right? Other directors can't do that. I don't even think, I don't even think Christopher Nolan can do that. I don't even think Quentin Tarantino can do that. I think if your last name is Spielberg or Cameron. Yeah, if you bought a wing of a studio. I mean, no, he paid for their studio. Yeah. I mean, he, he, his movie is, I mean, at the time, Titanic was the number one box office movie in the world. I think it still sits at number three. I think it still sits at number three as the biggest box office film of all time. And so he can do that because you have that clout. But only James Cameron has made two of the three biggest box office films in history. Um, and only Spielberg is the greatest of all time. So, I mean, I, I don't think there's many people who can have that, but good on James for doing it. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher said, uh, Christian Harloff said Andor felt Blade Runner. And since he said that, I totally see it. I can, I can, listen, tone-wise, tone-wise, I can say I see a little bit of Blade Runner in it. Yep, I'm not a huge fan of Blade Runner, but the tone of it, um, it's a little brighter. 
but the tone of it, yeah, I, I think I can agree with Christian on that. And the city streets, the grunginess of it, it it's similar to the city streets of Blade Runner. It's just in Blade Runner, it was always dark and it rained all the time. It's funny, I was t- Christian texted me this morning um, and we were talking about, well, we were talking about another show, right? But, but again, we were talking about tone uh, of that show. I think tone is something that Christian really appreciates about a show. And I th- it, so it doesn't surprise me that he saw that and then he instantly made that connection to Blade Runner. All right, what's next? Tim Platt said, yay, Star Wars put my name in something. Oh, no, he sucked. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. You're Tim with one M. I love that. Oh, no, he sucks. (laughs) Um, Listen, I will say the one thing about what I did like about it was they even show that even though he's a small character with a limited role to play. And a dumb name. And a dumb name. 2M Tim. The 2M. The 1M Tim's great. We love you, Tim. Spell it like you do, Tim. No worries. But they showed there were multiple layers to him, right? Like, he didn't... We're emotional beings. He got emotionally hurt. He felt threatened. He did... Who who among us didn't, haven't done something stupid when in an emotional state? But he, Three times a day, John. <laughs> yeah, three times at least. And But he clearly cares for her. He doesn't want bad things to happen to anybody. I mean, so I like that even in that, they gave multiple layers to the character even though no he sucks yeah that i love that that was that was the best comment of the day tim you get comment of the day all right what's next uh michael serda with the 1999 thank you super michael Be generous man uh classic film i feel film a <laughs> classic <laughs> film i feel doesn't get talked about enough is 12, 12 angry, angry men, men buddy. awesome Sidney Lumet's class uh, direction is near perfect and is a great gateway film for those who have trouble sitting through a black and white film. It's one of those movies. Here's, here's what 12 Angry Men is. It is one of those movies that I have often heard referenced that if you want to learn filmmaking, mm. that's one of the films you should watch because mm. it, it like everything from dialogue, character dynamic, all that kind of stuff. It is a cornerstone movie. I think of anybody who wants to be a student of film has to watch 12 Angry Men. And when you read a lot of books by directors, this movie is always brought up. Like, in, I, I can't think of, of one that I've read, and I've read three or four of them. I think every single one of them that I've got, they've all referenced that movie. Oh, yeah. It's just one of those pivotal ones, Rob. I can tell you a funny story about that. So I was at leadership camp between junior and senior year in high school, summer camp, where, where student leaders were sent to learn leadership skills. And smoke weed. No, no, no. No weed smoking. But they were showing this movie, and I'd never seen it before. And there was a girl. I will not use her name. This girl was trying to make out with me. And Well, you can't use your name because it's make-believe, Rob. No, it's not make-believe. <laughs> but here's the thing. She got very mad because I was so involved. This movie is so engrossing. Like, when you're watching it, it's so engrossing. And I don't make out movies. I never do. You know, why? Would, I got to watch the movie. But this girl didn't know that about me, and and I I I had such a vivid memory because I was so locked into this movie. It's so good and so compelling that I was ignoring a very attractive, very woman real. Who who actually? Are you sure woman. there was no weed smoking? No <laughs> weed smoking. Okay. But she was from Paul's Bow. I'll tell you that. And she was actually she was a beauty queen in Paul's Bow. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, but those Paul's Bow beauty queens, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not exactly cute. Burbank beauty queens. <laughs> uh, just all right. What's next? Uh, Lorenzo Lycia said, uh, oh, did we find more of a super chat? Yeah, it's just way up here. So. Okay. All right. Wow. Uh, took the day off work. Oh, that was when you went to the bowl. 
Okay, right, right, right. Uh, so Lorenzo had taken the day off work. Also found out that night Kevin Feige was eating dinner in the front row, too. Would have loved to meet you, Anne and Rob. Hope you have an amazing day. You know, it's it's funny because I, I took you... Um, Black Panther. I took you to Black Panther. Dude, those seats were dope. You and Elizabeth came with me, me and Anne. And it was really, it was such a fun night, too, because whenever we go to the Hollywood Bowl, obviously, because we're usually at the Hollywood Bowl for movie things, whether it's Black Panther in concert, John Williams Meister with the movie. So there's a lot of movie fans there. And so it's always great to go there because we always get approached by so many people. That night, we got approached by a bunch yeah. of people who watched the show. And it's always a fun time. So next, listen, I always talk about when I'm going to go to the Hollywood Bowl because I get so excited about it. So keep your eyes open for us and let us know uh, what sections you'll be taking care of. And the sound, I have to say, John Williams, people forget, but the sound in that that venue it's you awesome. can hear every instrument it's gorgeous it's even almost like further being a disney concert i mean it just it's even yep. further back there's really um, not a bad seat in the house what piece was it at this year's meister of the movies where what's her name the lead violinist was it the fiddler on the roof was it the fiddler on the roof one at schindler's list okay it was the fiddler on the roof piece unbelievable because this girl gets up She's the, the the lead violinist, and they they have a, a portion of the concert where John Williams says this is going to be performed by our by our, our number one seat. So she gets up and stands up while the whole orchestra is playing. And I'm getting chills thinking about it. She's doing this fiddler on the roof piece, and Slash of Guns and Roses himself couldn't do better. She ripped. Oh yeah. On this, she like for three minutes rips on this fiddler on the roof piece and like soul was there with me that night and like soul uh his girlfriend me and Ann, and like soul and i just turned to each other it's like she's a fucking rock star dude she just starts wailing on this thing and i'm like oh my god like this girl is so good she was so good and then i don't know if john williams said this because he kept looking over and marveling at her as yeah. well watch but then the way he put it he said and she said something to him, and I don't know if it, they played this off or it was like this. He said that she's asking if she can play Schindler's List. And then right. she played, she then followed she it up. Schindler's and List, dude, yeah. I got a tear in my eye because that piece of music, you can't, you can't not. I mean, uh, incredible. She's she an amazing. incredible player. All right, what's next? Uh, Ear Giorgio? Sure, Ear Giorgio. My brain just said nope. Uh, did I miss something? How did all the people in the MCU now have random powers? Because that's the MCU now. Everybody, I, like I can't, I've been telling you guys this for a long time. Like every 7-Eleven has eight superheroes on the roof patrolling for crime. Like there's nothing special about somebody with superpowers in that world anymore. And it's they're all just coming out of the woodwork now. Like, percentage-wise in the MCU, how many people would you say have powers? Because I, I feel like that's never percent. really addressed. But they don't even how, they didn't even explain how Titania even got her powers, right? It's I like think it was just, addressed. No, no, no. They just explain why she rampaged through the courtroom. Sure. Um, it's it, Let's put it this way. It's common enough now that a guy falls 40 stories from a building through a car, gets up and walks away, and people go, oh, oh all right. Hang on, I'll be if, right back. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's Is it like being a lefty. Like, what are we talking? <laughs> yeah. So I don't. So it's not. I, I think it's, I don't think it's like one percent, one out of every hundred people. But again, it is common enough that nobody in the world of the MCU is amazed anymore. Like, it's just it's just a Tuesday. Now. Maybe that's why Arisham, the judge being in the skies of Earth. No one yeah, cares. nobody talks about whatever. it. It's like, yeah. oh, OK, whatever. It's just it's a Tuesday. 
So yeah, that's one of the problems with the MCU numbers. right now. I just crunched the numbers right now. It's uh, 67.85% of people in the MCU have superpowers. That, that's ridiculous. That can't be right. <laughs> that's a scientific I don't think you did thing. He's really good at math. I don't know. Is he is, the pew, he, is that he, a pew sampling? He is holding his phone calculator, so I'm inclined to believe him. All right, what's next? He's texting. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, He just texted me, believe me, bitch. Uh, Ben Rainier (laughs) with the $20 super chat. Thank you, Ben. Just want to say thank you for all the great content. Your team is awesome. And RIP to She-Hulk after show. Does this mean no more cake pops? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because oh my God, I really I'll talk about you. She-Hulk every goddamn week if I get a cake pop. Oh, yeah, I actually have more cake pops on the way because uh, spooky season's right around the corner. <gasps> it is. Just they, they shouldn't be She-Hulk ones, though. They're going to have to move on. Those cake pops were so good. They were good. very, very, very good. Oh, my God. Um, well, first of all, thank you, Ben, and thank you for being here. Like, you've been a part of our show for a long time, and thank you so much for that. But, uh, yeah, I, again, like, listen, I, we could keep doing the She-Hulk after show. It's just like, I want to give things to our audience that our audience wants to see. And nobody wants to see you doing an after show about a show that you probably love and just having us whine about it. So that's why I decide not to do it. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Ben. What's next? Joshua Jones says, Andor episodes kicked ass. Can't wait for more. I will give She-Hulk props for the instant fourth wall break saying, eh, it's a filler episode. I mean, there is some self-aware uh, stuff in there. Um, listen, at the end of the day, when She-Hulk's in the rearview mirror, and we look back on it. There are a number of things I think the show did well. First of all, I still think the, the concept of the show is great. Tatiana Maslany is fantastic in it. There have been moments, like episode one with uh, with Hulk, I thought was a great episode. Yeah. Um, things they've done well, but yeah, not really. Uh, I'm still going to watch it just because it's 20 some minutes. I, you know, just there's not many it left. On. Yeah. There's Do you I think when you they're all out, you'd go back and check them out or no? That's a good question. Here's the problem. There's so much new content coming out all the time. There's not a lot of time in the day to go. Like, I've always wanted to go back and get caught up on um, Better Call Saul. Yeah. I never had the chance. Never had the chance. Because there's always new stuff coming out that I need to keep up with. And so, I don't know. I'd like to think I would, but I don't know that I ever will. But I will probably watch the Daredevil episode. I do feel like it's a show people would be more charmed by if it was released in a big chunk. I do think there is something about the week to week that makes it feel like, all right, here we go. This is just kind of fun. Yeah, I skipped the episode last night. I'm just going to watch the rest later. What's next? Luis Enrique de la Pena said, what is worse, ketchup on eggs or on fried chicken? Discuss fried chicken. What the? I mean, I would... (laughs) Ketchup uh, people dip ketchup their, on eggs is acceptable. People dip their like chicken wings in ketchup, yeah. like so I can understand it's that. But I though. would prefer barbecue sauce for that. You don't. But I know John's that. answer. No, I think people who eat ketchup and eggs should be rounded up to live on an island somewhere forty miles off coast. Well, uh, that's, it, it is, that's just it how you get Australia, crime. John. Don't do it. <laughs> it is a crime. Ketchup on eggs is a crime against humanity. I've never had ketchup with fried chicken. I, I don't. I mean, that sounds odd, but I don't think it would make me vomit like ketchup on. I oh. can't explain it, but ke- ketchup on chicken fingers, good. Ketchup, yeah, ketchup I, on I, fried I chicken, bad. Yeah. So, like, if 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 you're dipping your fried chicken in any sauce, it's you're not, not good not fried, chicken. The right fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Maybe a little yeah. syrup there with your waffle, bone, but yeah. 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 But right. strips, I'm on barbecue sauce. What's yes. next? Uh, Raymond Verada said, franchise and nostalgia films are in vogue now. If Constantine is brought back by WB and Disney owns Fox, hey, Disney, bring back speed with Keanu. No. no <laughs> oh, man, that is the... <laughs> no, no, they'll never bring back speed. No. And look, I'll say this. Had speed two never come out, 
and we were sitting here 30 years later, I would probably say, you know what? There's a chance they could bring back speed, but after speed, I just don't see them doing it. No, nobody, I don't think anybody wants another speed movie. No. All right. What's next? Chase O says, hi, crew. 28 is the number they heard 28 years ago today. One of my favorite movies came out. The Shawshank Redemption. You all know what I'm watching tonight when I get off work tonight. What's that? I've never seen it. <laughs> What's shot? Um, listen, it is maybe, maybe the greatest film of all time. I mean, I, I'll still give that to Godfather and things like that. But Shawshank Redemption to me is in the conversation of the greatest movie ever made by human hands. Uh, I just think it's that good. Everything about that movie is masterful. The direction, the story, the the pacing of it, the characters, the performances. It is an absolute masterpiece. And it was shot by Roger Deakins. And it was shot by Roger Deakins. And it never won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. It, it was. It came out during a year when uh, um, Forrest Gump was really, really hot and all the rage. Now, when you look at any top 100 list, Shawshank is always ahead of Forrest Gump. But um, it, it is a pure, unadulterated, absolute masterpiece of filmmaking. I, I, I honestly think it's one of the greatest things ever made. I, I, have we ever talked like what do you No, it's one of my it's one of my favorite films of all time too. Um, you know, I used to read that story every year at Christmas. The original story is called Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. Right. It's in uh, different seasons and um I love the movie exceeded all of my expectations. It also John has one of my favorite sound effects in any movie. Wilhelm You know scream? the big wide shot when the <laughs> when they when Andy Dufresne's first coming into the the, yep. and the camera you hear thomas newman's score rising and there's the aerial shot that comes across the whole uh well, prison yard yep it goes past the fl the the flag the flag fluttering oh. and the music's playing and for whatever reason that sound effect of the fluttering of the flag is perfect it's just perfect because it it's it's it is i don't know why i love it so much they didn't have to put that sound effect there but it's the greatest little sound effect in any movie ever. I'm convinced. Just that little flag. All right. What's next? I know like people are looking running. at me like I'm out of my mind, but that's watch just, it again. That's just how I look at you. Uh, Sam Fisher said, Andor didn't click for me until episode three. I think it was because the three episodes seemed to have been written as one and then edited apart. I mean, again, that's one of the reasons, I, and I can see that. That's one of the reasons why I say the best decision they made was releasing the first three at the same time, because now we've got a real sense of it. We understood the beginning and then the payoff that comes and what this is. We're getting a sense of where it's building to. So I, I completely get where you're coming from on that. And that's why I thought it was a great decision. All right, what's next? Al Rensha said, we all want to see John go uh, John Gofet fight Darth Chapek and then take on Emperor Adam Aaron. I mean, I think that's a movie right there. That is something to be made right there. I'm sure I'm on Bob Chapek's Christmas card list. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I listen. My mama said, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. So. I'll but we wouldn't have content if you live by that yeah, rule. This would be so. a very, be a very uh, short show. All we right. got two hours to fill, John. What's next? Uh, Jedediah Elias said, Mario trailer, New York Comic Con, October 6th. Very nervous. They sent out, I got my email from the PR team today. They sent out this big artwork. Get ready. Here it comes. October 6th at New York Comic Con. They made a poster for it and everything. Let's go. The Mario <laughs> Brothers trailer, the Super Mario, whatever the name of it's going to be. Uh, the tra They're going to drop the trailer in October. Six months before the movie comes out. Is this the animated movie? Is yes. it live? Yeah. Okay. yeah, the one that Chris, Chris, uh, Pratt. Chris Pratt's doing yeah. lead voice. And Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, I, I am, let's just say I'm curious. I am curious to see how this will be. 
I don't know why they didn't get an Italian to play Mario, but that's okay. I can live with that. It's a voice. Um, we'll see. We'll see. All right, what's next? Uh, Jin the Jedi said, I was raised on great female leads and stories from charm to desperate housewives. So She-Hulk to me at this point feels extremely insulting story-wise. So for the first time in the MCU, I tap out. Again, I listen, you know I'm tapping out, but I, I don't understand this, the complaint about story. It's a sitcom. It's a sitcom. And many of some of the greatest, well, some of the greatest sitcoms of all time never had a story. Um, each individual episode had its own individual thing. Seinfeld, for heaven's sakes. There was no story in Seinfeld. It was a show about nothing. It was a show about nothing. Uh, so that's all fine. It all comes down to me about laughs. Did you make me laugh? And this show just didn't make me laugh. And I don't care about it. Like, they've done a number of things well. Tatiana Maslany is great. All this kind of stuff. The premise is super fun. But if you're not going to make me laugh, I got no time for you. So I, uh, so that's why I'm tapping out. But hey, it all hits us in different ways, and that's how it hit you. And whatever your reasons are, I can respect that. All right, what's next? Matt Boyle says, is there a movie that you can quote all the time? Mine is Dumb and Dumber. Why uh, You can't triple, triple stamp a double stamp. So Ann and I are constantly, constantly <laughs> quoting. There's one line from it they were constantly quoting. Whenever something comes up about, oh, I had this the whole time. It's like, you had two pairs of gloves. That is like one of the funniest moments in the history of movies, by the way. When they finally arrive and he takes off the second pair of gloves. You had two pairs. That is one of the most quotable movies ever. Uh, I mean, for, for me, obviously, Star Wars, Zoolander, I quote a lot when I'm just hanging around something. Do you got a movie that's a go-to quotable uh, one? Too many. Yeah, all over the place. Quote a lot of movies, but it's all over the place. Different things. What about you, Amy? You got one you quote a lot? I feel like one for me is uh, Pirate Radio, which not a ton of people have seen. So wow. there's just random little things from that that I'll quote, and people look at me like I'm a nuts person. So that's always fun. For me, wow. it's probably like Life of Brian. Mm. Life of Brian's is good, or or go to another one. Uh, uh, Holy Grail mm. is a is a big one, big one. All right, what's next? Uh, King Tane said recommendations for a region free 4K player, Rob. Uh, you, well, you know, there's not a lot of 4K players out there. My region free player is a Sony player, um, but any of the you know they're usually about three four hundred bucks. You can get them on Amazon. The problem with players now is they're so cheaply made. I hate that. And fewer and fewer companies are actually making them. I know. But the mine is a Sony player, and I think it was like $399. I did get it off Amazon. So And it still costs $399? Yeah, because it's multi-region. Oh, okay. But you can find them cheaper. I mean, it's sometimes they're modified stateside, or you can get them other places. But All right, guys. And that'll do it for this installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making the show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so much for your support. Don't forget, guys, to come on back and join us for the John Campy Show again tomorrow. Guys, make sure you take a second, click the subscribe button, become a subscriber to our channel, click the thumbs up, leave a comment. It all helps the show out with the big YouTube algorithm in the sky. I want to thank the people sitting in the room with me, of course, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. We got Amy Newman over there. Joining you guys in the live chat has been Ray Ora, and of course, running the show producer, Jonathan Voiko. That'll do it for us, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends... Bye-bye.